0: to run me over with the Hummer. Well, I'll tell you what, Terry, you bring the yellow, and I'll supply the red. Your blood.
1: I want out of this marriage. I'll sign these papers as soon as I shove them down ah. your throat. I'll out from behind! No! Oh! David Arcana's in the ring! If I'm pitting you, D.E.P., it's a shot at Jeff Jared for the title! You want it? You got it! Sting, like the spider said to the fly. My God! Come. <laughs> he looks like a pinata from hell. It's all on the line right now, Bischoff and our No, no, no! He worked out Bischoff. One, one,
2: two, three. three. Oh! Jeff Jarrett will defend the world title against Diamond Dallas Page in a steel cage. Diamond Cutter. He never saw it
1: coming. Also ripped the door off the cage. Referee down to count one. Can two. You? He's trying to stop the cap three. He got the three gap. He got the three gap. He got the three.
2: (laughs)
3: again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are in June. We took last week off because I had to go to a wedding that was out of state. so Way I, out of state. You had to go visit them Yankees up there. Oh, yes. All the Yankees in Washington, D.C., yes, <laughs> which isn't really super far away, but it is uh, when you're involved in a wedding of this magnitude, you you can't focus on anything else. You can't catch your breath because I made a terrible mistake in... in Agreeing to be a part of this wedding for my friend. I thought it was going to be nice, easy thing. I thought, oh, this... I didn't think about the cost, either, that was associated. Yeah. Even if I... We flew, which is... I just did that because I didn't want to drive. But even if I had driven between the tux rental, the place we stayed, meals just the expense of travel, it was still going to cost me a lot of money to do this trip. So I didn't realize that I was making an investment in their future. And what's kind of sad is I don't think the marriage is going to work out. So.
0: Oh, they're going to listen to this and hear you say that.
3: Fortunately, <laughs> this friend not into pro wrestling podcasts, okay. so I don't have to worry about it. But. All right. Uh, Yeah, that was what I was doing last weekend. How have you been, I'm good. I'm good. Everything all right in the world of Patrick Young? Everything's
0: smooth, yeah. Rolling smooth. Everything's good. I hadn't done much.
3: The entire pro wrestling world has been just... Paused, waiting for you to update us on what's been going on in the world of pro wrestling. Well, yeah,
0: without me, the world just comes
3: to a, a halt. There is that. no news. There's no. nowhere else to get pro wrestling information. I am,
0: I am pro wrestling. You just didn't realize it. I am the puppet master behind it all. Wow.
3: The entire it's all work, bro. You're like the, Vince Russo. That the entire thinks, world. Vince calls me for ideas. Well, Vince Russo thinks that AEW and WWE are working together. That's his big thing right now with his podcast. Dude, is where, he is such a
0: fucking, like, conspiracy theorist. He has to have that. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, bro. He has. Don't be a Mark, bro. He has to fucking have that or, like, I don't think his world
3: could turn. Yeah, more about the work of Vince Russo coming up later in our review. Oh. So speaking of Vince Russo. Yes. Although, the following Thunder,
0: you need to watch if you have not seen. What, the week after Thunder? <laughs> yes. Okay. The, uh, the Thursday right before the pay-per-view where our champ did not show up, but we had Vince Russo rules. No referees, no rules. You had to count your own pen or submission. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow, okay. That's some jacked up shit right there. So, but yeah, it was it was very interesting. I went on and watched the the Nitro and Thunder building into that pay-per-view. So, well,
3: David Arquette really was a WCW wrestler when he not showing up to Thunder. <laughs> That's right. He no-showed that shit.
0: I'm yeah. the champ. Didn't take him long. I'm the champ from last week. Fuck Thunder. Yeah.
3: <laughs> that was back in the year 2000. So what's going on in June of 2019? John Moxley sat down and did a podcast interview with Y2J. Yeah, we didn't book him. Why didn't you get me that booking? I will try harder next time for you, sir. Yeah, he sat down with Chris Jericho It was an in-person interview in John Moxley's house, I think, in Las Vegas, so right before Double or Nothing, so this is before his actual debut took place is when it was recorded, so, like... I think it came out after. It came out after, yeah, but it was taped prior to his unveiling, I believe, and, like, at parts of it, like, I think you... Hear Jericho say, like, oh, hey, Renee, how's it going? So, like, yeah, they're clearly in his house, right? But before you get to that, let me talk about Omaha steaks. Oh, Omaha
0: steaks, yeah, see,
3: that's that. I was just doing a Chris Jericho, how he slides into those advertisements. I mean, that's been going on for a long time, Uh, but Omaha steaks, the best steaks you'll ever buy, yeah, but then. It's strange how he'll move from, he'll segue into ads for everything. It's toothpaste, cat litter, whatever <laughs> it is. He's like, oh, that's great, John. That's great. But let me tell you about cat litter. You know, I've got cats. And so it's very strange how he wedges these advertisements. Well, in you know what park. our
0: advertisement is? And our advertisement's a lot better. What's that? Always watch. Power Slam TV. Code. The promo code, promo Retro code. Wrestling.
3: Retro Wrestling. But see, I put that at the end of the thing. Now I don't have to do that because well, you already mentioned it. Well, I, I mean, should be like Chris Jericho. We can do double, though. It doesn't really get us anything either way. So well, I mean, we can still, we can do double. It works. So So yeah, John Moxley's first post-WWE interview was given to Chris Jericho. Yes, and uh, I have just some snidbits of
0: what he said here. He pays brock millions to ruin the company i think that is a fair assessment
3: that was when he was talking about his wrestlemania match with brock and then complaining about how brock didn't want to work with him which he had implied in that stone cold podcast that he did on the network that brock wasn't very committed i don't think to this wrestlemania match when he had a huge payday coming up at ufc 200 or whatever it was so if there was no other promotion i still would leave His problems with the company seem to date back quite some time with... The way that he's given the scripted promos. And I saw people online comparing. It was very odd this week. So, this is a couple of weeks after this interview. I think this interview dropped actually, by the time you're hearing this podcast, this interview dropped at the end of May, shortly after Double or Nothing. I think the week after Double or Nothing. I saw some comparisons this week online because Rich Swan came out and said, I didn't have a problem with the company while I was there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But Rich Swan wasn't a main inventor given all this shit to do. Yeah. Rich Swan was a 205 live lower tier guy even when he's on raw when they had cruiserweights on raw. And so he's not given all the shit that Dean Ambrose is. So like the more money you make and the higher up you are in the card it just comes with all these extra things. All these other layers of bullshit. Where yeah. if you're on 205 live and you're not really focused on they're not going to give you. You just go layers. Up there perform and fuck it, you know. Yeah, you can go out and have fun matches because you're on a network show and you're not gonna have you're not gonna have a promo to read. You can tell by Dean Ambrose, John Moxley's WWE wrestling matches, like I said prior to him announcing that he was leaving, that I was kinda done with him. Yeah. As far as being a wrestler because I just he was having really shitty matches, but he just flat out didn't care. I think that's what Yeah, it- he had just given up. And So I do believe that he's made enough money, probably, to where he doesn't have to go out and work anymore. He could have just quit. He went on to say, creative sucks, Vince is the problem. He's always having to argue for lines he doesn't want to say, and always the writers say, oh, well, got to go talk to Vince. You got to go, and you got to line up outside of Vince's office with everyone else who doesn't like their lines, and then make your case. And then hopefully you don't have to say whatever line you say, or whatever. I forget what his examples were exactly, but they were pretty stupid. Oh, the pooper scooper line. Vince wanted him to say something about a pooper scooper when he was doing the whole the audience smells bad gimmick and his Bane gas mask stuff. And he got Vince to finally drop that line. So he did succeed every once in a while. But it was stuff that he wouldn't say. You know, it was stuff that I don't think human beings would say yeah. to each other. So uh, He said, I got
0: $500 for the last S.H.I.E.L.D. special.
3: Since that was a house show that they just decided to bring cameras to and bring announcers to you probably got whatever rate you get for doing like a table for three, something that takes 20 minutes. And that's probably what they decided to pay them for doing that. Or, well, that's what they decided to pay him because they knew he was leaving, I think is what he's implying and that everyone else got regular paychecks. But that's the nature of not having traditional pay-per-view anymore. It's no one in the company will talk about what they get paid. So this is the first of like a top guy leaving since the network began when they got rid of the traditional pay-per-view payday model. And yeah. now it's just whatever it is. This is the first time that we get to know any kind of details about their payment structure. And it makes me think that the other performers on that house show, like Finn Balor worked a match on that house show, the Riot Squad, they all probably got 500 bucks too. I don't think yeah. that... That John Moxley was alone in receiving that. No, I I think it was across the board, but still, that's
0: for a billion dollar company. who damn. He said going every Monday made him physically sick.
3: Yeah, well, as someone that sometimes views that show on Mondays, it <laughs> makes me kind of sick sometimes. <laughs> but I understand going to a job that you don't like every single day and you don't have that problem. Uh, well, sometimes I do when, when I'm on a different shift or working with certain people. It does... I do actually get physically kind of ill from it. I mean, like... But I just... I have to go. I mean... Yeah. And that's what he did. He sucked it up and he went and finished his contract.
0: Sights frustration with the WWE writing team. They don't talk like humans. Yeah, they're not delivering
3: the way in which they should. He was upset that when he came back, he was just... Seth Rollins' tag team partner. He wanted a change in his character completely. He didn't want to be the lunatic fringe anymore.
0: What went on to say right here, um, had major issue with using Roman's illness as heat so bad that he even confronted Vince about it.
3: Yeah, and uh, there was apparently one line he was supposed to say that was so bad that he just couldn't say it, and... There was speculation that it was something about I'm going to kill you, Seth, and God's going to kill Roman or something like that. It was pretty bad. That was all very distasteful when they were doing that stuff because this is a company that puts pink ropes out every October for breast cancer awareness. It does the Warrior Award and that goes to the sick children's hospitals and cancer institutes that kind of stuff yeah connor's cure the whole thing and you're using that you're weaving that into a storyline i mean it was the same thing i thought of a few years ago when they had Paige bring up that reed flair overdosed in her feud with charlotte it's just like they've done stuff like that going back after eddie guerrero died and they had batista say oh eddie's in hell ray and stuff like that like Come on, jeez! Or Brenton was reminding me this week of the night after Brian Pillman died. Vince has his widow on Raw, yes, and, and hypes it up for ratings. And yeah, then that he or that he drug overdosed,
0: and well, he yeah, he and he, it was pain painkillers. Yeah, he and puts that,
3: those words in her mouth basically.
0: Yeah, he yeah,
3: without knowing anything.
0: That's a very bone chilling interview. If you have not seen it, it's very disturbing to watch. Well, it's just distasteful. I mean. Brian Pillman hadn't even been. Well, you could see also, though, that she hadn't even been to sleep. You know, she's all puffy from crying. I think she break down and cries live during this. Oh, as yeah, because well. you, so, you have
3: Vince yelling at her saying, How are you going to support your children now that you're a widow? And all this, like, terrible. Yeah, and it'd been like, stuff. what, 12 hours, if that? Maybe 24 So it's something they've done throughout their history, so it's Uh, not that surprising.
0: Last but certainly not least, he didn't even look at the new contract that WWE offered him. So apparently they handed it to him, and he handed it right back and said no, or he didn't care.
3: I have a hard time believing he didn't look at the number, even if he knew he wasn't going to sign it. So when they made their last effort to keep him, they probably said to him what... They offered him, so it's possible he just took the envelope and threw it out because he he had made his mind up that he was leaving. So it didn't really matter. It was also very weird that they put that press release out saying that he was leaving because they had never done that before, yeah. and that's what made everyone think: Is this a work? Is this what is this? Because yeah. usually, when talent leaves, they don't acknowledge it. That year that, like, Brock was leaving after WrestleMania 20, so in 2004, you know, not even on commentary, JR doesn't say, like, oh, the fans are booing because he's leaving. He's like, oh, they're booing because there's rumors that he may be leaving. So that's just something they they never did. So it was very weird that when he told them before the Rumble that he was out, that they put out that press release saying, oh, he's not coming back, and we wish him all the best. See you later. So. Yeah.
0: Moving forward, though, talking about John Moxley,
3: John Moxley is is a uh, a new champion. Sorry. John Moxley's new contract with AEW allows him to go work for New Japan and that was brought up right after double or nothing. Uh, they asked Tony Khan about John Moxley and he said, "Oh yeah, he can go work international dates." And it's kind of surprising that All Elite Wrestling signed this hot free agent and his first match wasn't in their ring. I just think they really missed out there. He faced Juice Robinson for the New Japan U.S. Championship, which is a relatively new belt. It's only been around a couple of years. And John Moxley goes out there first match and wins it, which the match was very good. It was the best John Moxley's looked in years. Oh,
0: God, yeah. It was amazing. And
3: actually, I thought that in the match, Juice Robinson was the better performer. It was interesting to watch because John Moxley is, is coming from the WWE where certain tropes are built into the way you wrestle like when you get a near fall you're supposed to have those big eyes and that big goofy look on your face and he did that in the New Japan match and he also like the way he Caught juice robinson after like a moonsault or something and then you could see him reaching over there to check on him like very apparent like checking on him like that's like a wwe thing and like some of his style that he's going to have to like unlearn to be able to wrestle in new japan and and in all elite where it's a very different style it's just it's it was interesting to see the beginnings of that next chapter for John moxley also yes. interesting to see him in you know traditional wrestling tights. I mean I, he's been wrestling in a sleeveless shirt and blue jeans for the past several years yeah. and before that it was SWAT gear so yeah, but he looked really good and then he had another match at Dominion uh, the following weekend. So he's already wrestled two matches in New Japan. I feel like that match was
0: one of Moxley's best matches of all time. Uh, It showed that he had the credibility to wrestle a very elite, not not to coin the phrase, but a very elite, a very high class of style of wrestling that he just flat out did not show in WWE and had no intentions of showing in WWE.
3: He seemed to say he was dissatisfied for a long time, but even before the heel turn and the Roman stuff, which after that you could really tell that he was checked out. I told Brenton the other day, I I don't think that I enjoyed a Dean Ambrose match since... It had been since 2016 since I'd seen a good Dean Ambrose match, and that was the latter match against Triple H at that Fastlane show that was right before WrestleMania.
0: But, yeah, especially that WrestleMania 33 that we went to, it was not uh,
3: a... Oh, well, he was working with Baron Corbin that night. So, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's the talent that you're working with. <laughs> true, because Very true. Juice Robinson was a very highly motivated... He realized that a lot of eyeballs were going to be on this, having, having John Moxley's first match back. So he was a highly motivated opponent. But when you're wrestling guys like Baron Corbin, who are just... Thrilled to be cashing a paycheck because he wouldn't get work in any other That's true. wrestling organization if they were smart. You know, I wouldn't have him anywhere. Like, he's got to go back and start over from day one about how to wrestle. I don't know. So sometimes it was not necessarily all on dean ambrose whether he has an unmotivated brock lesnar or unmotivated untalented baron corbin so sometimes there's nothing he could do about it but now you're seeing that if he has if he's motivated and he's working with someone else that's motivated it can be a good match now i hope he stays motivated john moxley because once they get their tnt deal and he's on weekly tv again is he gonna Get burned out. Yeah, is he going to feel exactly the same way as he felt before? Because some of that stuff he was doing in the match against Juice Robinson, saying, fuck you, and shooting up birds, and doing dangerous... Like, his new finisher is very dangerous looking. It's uh, the double-arm DDT, but he lifts you up for it. Yeah. And
0: there is no fucking way that you can protect yourself. You're just taking that shit.
3: Yeah, Juice Robinson seemed to take it mostly on his knees, which... Sucks, but it's better than taking it on your head. So yeah, if he finds himself on All Elites Weekly TV and it's back to the grind, yeah, he might start stinking it up again because (laughs) he's not happy. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward how motivated he stays. And also the opponent that he's working with. Because if you come across a guy that's if he wrestled Jericho it's funny to me that these two guys were on this podcast when they had a match that I was really disappointed with in WWE, which centered around Mitch the potted plant, and they had that that weird Dean Ambrose asylum match where they had the weapons on the ceiling, and Jericho ended up taking tacks to the back and yeah, like wrestled a, in blue jeans. like a
0: cage match.
3: But here you have two guys sitting there, and Dean's shitting on... All, all, all the, I hate all that stuff. And he briefly mentions, oh, we tried to do something different. I was like, well, that match was really awful. And so... Well, it was, Raven's, it was Raven's rules all over again. Weapons in a steel cage, and here you go. It didn't seem like Chris Jericho was very motivated. If he wrestles Chris Jericho again, which at double or nothing, I mean, he did DDT Jericho first. Right. So that match is down the road. Can they deliver a yeah. lot better than last time? Jericho's uh-huh. match Maybe. against Omega wasn't exactly the best at double or nothing. That's sad, 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 but true. For the most part, John Moxley is going to be working with younger guys that are wanting to make a mark, so he's going to have opponents that are willing to go the extra mile to put on a good show. So I think that's something he has going for him, but we'll see. We're two matches in to his new career. It came out uh, while you were away. Uh, That
0: Jericho no showed at StarCast.
3: Yeah, so StarCast went on after Double or Nothing as well. They did stuff on Monday, which was Memorial Day. Yeah. So they had events still going on Monday, and he was supposed to do a live talk as Jericho panel, and he canceled it. But he canceled it. His reasoning was because Kenny Omega didn't thank him at the end of Double or Nothing like he wanted to. No one, the crowd didn't thank him because this was all for him. Yeah. It's all because of him that Double or Nothing happened. Yeah. And no one properly thanked him, Patrick, and that's why he canceled his show. It's a good heel. It's a good heel move. When you don't have weekly TV and you've got to get this character across, how else do you do it? So yeah. he's kind of Cody and the Young Bucks and all those guys with Being the Elite have really they paved the way on how to do storylines without TV. And you use social media and you work that because that's what gets traction. And then you do stuff like canceling a panel, which, I mean, if I was. Oh, if I was one of those people that were like bought a ticket to go to that, I'd be pissed. I'm sure they got a refund. So it was probably not a huge deal yeah but but
0: how many people stayed over bought an extra hotel night or whatever to stay over just for
3: that before they left that's a very good point yeah i would be very upset if i was in that boat but i think that it was probably included with the ticket to starcast so it was probably not yeah i don't think this was a separately ticketed event no but still if
0: you stayed if you were like how many people skipped out and then how many people are like, okay, no, I'm gonna stay one more day. I'm not gonna fly back to go to work Monday morning. I'm gonna stay one more day because I want to see Jericho and see this.
3: Well, there was other stuff there. I so. yeah, if you had stayed specifically for that, that's that really sucks. But yeah, what can you do? Card subject to change. Card subject to change. That's right.
0: Somebody else they didn't they didn't necessarily no show, but they uh, they showed up in jail. Uh, Terry Runnels decides that it is okay, <laughs> apparently, to carry a 9mm Glock into an airport while trying to board a plane. I'm pretty sure TSA would not be okay with this, and pretty well known that she, you can't do this, and she just decided, nah, I'm a celebrity, I can get away with it, I'm assuming... Or she forgot about it. I don't know how the fuck you forget about it, but whatever. Anyway, uh, it was loaded with hollow points, and that is not a normal round. That is um, some shit we're there to, to fuck you up kind of bullet if you don't know much about them. So, yeah, no, uh, Alex has the article up in front of him. Read us this article, please,
3: sir, or highlight it. This is from TMZ Sports. This happened on May 29th. So Terry Ronalds was going to the airport in Tampa. She's 52 years old, by the way. She was uh, trying to go through the Tampa International Airport. It was 7.30 in the morning, and she goes through the security checkpoint, and inside her bag inside a sock is a nine millimeter handgun with 11 hollow point rounds and of course yes you uh get booked and it doesn't matter your explanation you can't even just say oh i'm sorry i'll take this back home now and then come back no you just go to jail oh That's- well she had it in a sock too so that 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 remotely
0: tells me Right there that she knew what the fuck she was doing.
3: It's not like she forgot it was in there or any of that kind of bullshit. Well, when you're packing your socks in your bag, Patrick... Do you, well, you got to put your 9 millimeter. in I always it. put my gun in my socks. Yeah, exactly. I carry my gun in my socks. Yeah, it's the safest place for it. She was booked. She had a mug shot at the charge. Carries a punishment of up to five years in prison and $5,000 in fines. She won't get any of that, but she went to jail posted bond at two grand. She claims she was carrying the loaded gun because she had just been called to her mother's house to deal with an armadillo that was digging up the yard. And naturally, when an armadillo is <laughs> digging up your yard, Patrick, you get 11 hollow point bullets and go out there. Well, I mean, you gotta break through that shell. You right, know? right. It's a tough shell. It is. It's a tough shell. And so, that was her excuse. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so. That's that makes no sense
0: not a fucking lick a bit I mean just why why would you think this is okay and then to give that kind
3: of a fucking reason I'm pretty sure I would have said you know what I forgot it was in there but see, it's a crazy enough reason where you're like, "Oh, it must be true because
2: <laughs> true. Where? where did
3: you come up with this?" That's true. I guess when she was sitting in the jail cell, that's what she thought too. Because I, I'm sorry, I don't buy that. Yeah, really? I don't fucking buy that one bit. But it's, it's quite the excuse. Oh, it's because an armadillo was digging up the yard. Mm. I'm can't... sure that the. I'm sure what happened was she had this backpack and had the gun in it from just traveling around town or whatever and just... Forgot to take it out. Forgot, right. But why not just say that? Why store
0: it in a sock, too?
3: Well, yeah, I'm not going to go into gun safety lecturing, but yeah, I wouldn't just throw that in a sock and... As someone who just recently traveled by air, I get very nervous just with knowing that there's nothing in my bag. Like It makes you weirded out because you're having the bag go
0: through the scanner. Oh, and yeah. You and you I've, have to take your shoes and belt off and all and that. And I've had
3: my bag pulled to the side before, and so has people people i've traveled with have had their bags pulled to the side and they go through it and stuff and that makes you nervous even though i know there's nothing bad in there like one time the lady even though it says on everything oh you can keep game systems or whatever in your backpack so i had like a psp and so it was in there and my glasses case was on top of it and i guess when they looked at that through the x-ray scanner they they couldn't tell what it was so she dug all the way through there just to find my PSP and my glasses case. That's all she did. And then one time, someone I was traveling with, their bag got pulled aside because they had put... Uh, they gotten some sand from the beach. They wanted to collect it, and they put it in a bag. And so when that goes through the scanner, oh, that's a big bag full of anthrax or ricin or something. So they had their bags sorted through. Yeah, <laughs> or cocaine or whatever. You know, whatever gets you through your flight. But it makes me nervous because I worked with somebody one time that had a knife in their bag, which I can... Almost, I can see that more than you know. Like a, it was. I think it was just like a pocket knife or something. Yeah. It wasn't like some switchblade or a machete. <laughs> it, it was just a pocket knife or whatever, and that got them into big trouble. And so, it just really? makes them yeah.
0: into serious.
3: Yeah, they allowed they allowed this person to fly though. They didn't arrest her. They they just cited her for having this pocket knife or something. Oh, they allowed it on the plane? No, no they thing. didn't allow that. They like confiscated that and like gave her a ticket or like a misdemeanor. Like see you in court. But we're gonna let you fly because we you don't have a knife anymore. So, yeah. but yeah, I just get I get nervous every time I go through there, even know, knowing what's in my bag. So this, I would never just grab a bag. This is why I don't fly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, uh... I drive, and I don't give a damn if it takes me three days to get there. I'm driving. And I will drive, because then... And it's not necessarily because of the fact, like, I'm going to carry something suspicious. No, it's because of the fact I don't want to go through the fucking hassle. Because what's to say that they're not like, what's in your fucking bag and pull me to the side? Because I'm a very... I'm not confrontational, but I don't take shit either. So I'm the type of person, you pull me to the side, I'm be like, okay, listen here, motherfucker. You know, like, I'm going to be very aggravated, and when you get aggravated, you, you know, you're just like, I'm pissed, but you just keep it to yourself. I get aggravated, I'm like, listen here, asshole, I'm not doing this shit, why the fuck are you singling me out? Like, I get that way. It's just the type of person I am, and... This
3: is why I. The just moral of the story is: know what's in your bag before you uh, go through security, and even then, you still might get pulled to the side. So. Well, yeah, and don't don't hide a nine millimeter with
0: hollow points in a sock.
3: <laughs> That's just. <laughs> Well, it's, it's also dangerous. It's uh, to, she's endangering herself, too. I mean, what if that bag had been near, like, what if she was at, like, a campfire or something and those bullets got heated up, you know? like Or,
0: hell, if she was traveling around town with it, she hits a bump in the car and, that like, the safety clicks off, that shit's going off through the bag. I mean, there's just no other way around it. Yeah, with
3: hollow points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to... It's gonna clear though the the backpack. Yeah. So Anyway, so we'll move on past gun safety class. Gun safety. Yeah, we're we're no gun instructors, but we can tell you don't keep your guns in socks.
0: <laughs> Especially white hangs. They're just they're they're not thick enough. They can't. You know.
3: <laughs> I was thinking of those real thick like diabetic socks. You diabetic socks. Yeah, those big ass socks. <laughs> What about hospital socks that have like the rubber
0: grip? Oh, on that's, that's a good bottom. one.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it gives you extra grip. You can shoot it through the sock. Oh, I'm, he pulled a sock on me. Oh, it's not a sock. It's not a sock. <laughs> Mick Foley's new gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's gotten real extreme. <laughs> he's hardcore. He's hardcore. Uh,
0: <laughs> moving forward in women's wrestling. Um, Mickey James has an ACL
3: injury she will be out for quite a while so this wild card rule has already gotten out of control oh my god so is. anyway a raw superstar alexa bliss is now the number one contender for the Smackdown title despite moving all these people around and putting trying to even the brands up and say all oh, you've got this, this many women's talent and this many over here and now you guys are equal. Apparently not because now we have to bring someone from the other show. There's no one on your show worthy of that belt. So we're going to bring someone from Raw over. So it
0: sucks for the people that want equal time and equal exposure. However, it's a drive for people. It's like, well, she's getting to go or he's getting to go to post shows because they're fan favorites or they're that specific class well, work know, harder and you get to I work one to, extra day yeah, a week work harder and you get the exposure that you're not getting right now
3: so yeah but how do you like dean ambrose mentioned in that interview it's like how do you even push ahead how do you even get more if you don't get when some sort ha- of when a... writers are giving you
0: shit, you know. And... Well, yeah, like Tyler Breeze. I mean, Tyler Breeze, good worker, solid worker, not main event status. But st- when the fuck was the last time you saw him on TV? Well, he's in NXT. And, well, I'm just saying, and it went for like what two years to the point that now he's been he's back to NXT. And I'm sure that's not by choice. That's just because, listen, he's a solid worker, but we
3: don't have any TV time for him, so... And now it's even harder, because you've got people that are always going back and forth. I mean, this rule was basically made for Roman Reigns to just be on both shows. Yeah. And people like on that level. So like Alexa Bliss, Charlotte. Miz. Yeah, Miz. Those are the people that are going... People that already had a lot of TV time now get more. And so actually this injury isn't such a bad thing for her because she wasn't being used when she was healthy that much. Well, and when she comes back, it might... You know, the big return. It might get her some TV time. They love they that shit. Well, they don't seem to know how to do big returns anymore, That's which true. was another one of Dean Ambrose's complaints that, you know, he had never he had never missed that much time before. So this was going to be his big return, and they even took that away from him because they had Seth Rollins say, oh, if you're going to have a Scottish psychopath, I'm going to have a lunatic. And so he didn't even get the surprise of coming out himself he was basically introduced so it yeah. took some of the air out of it so they don't know how to do big re- injury returning like Roman Reigns should be getting cheered out of the building everywhere yeah. he goes he should be getting a hero's welcome and he's almost back to where he was before he came back from beating cancer they couldn't even turn that into something to yeah. give him more material to work with he's just back at same old same old there's Nothing there. He's back to losing to Shane McMahon at Saudi Arabia pay-per-views. So, <laughs> losing to the best in the world, I guess. Uh, one more
0: for the women, uh Glow Season 3 is set to make its return here rather soon.
3: Um I have to finish Season 2. I have not gotten fully through it yet. So, I'm glad it's coming back because it's one of the few Netflix originals that I have seen all of it and I enjoy it and Netflix is getting ready to lose a lot of content to all the other people that are starting streaming services like Disney is starting one, Time Warner's starting one. So all their content that isn't theirs is going to slowly start dropping off. Like older reruns of Friends are going to be gone from Netflix in a year or two. So if yeah. you only use Netflix to watch those shows, you're going to be disappointed. But if they keep producing quality original content like Glow, they'll stick around and so it's, I'm glad that they're bringing it back. It's very important that they continue to produce content that gets viewership and, and gets critically acclaimed. So, I really enjoyed the second season of Glow and look forward to season three. Yeah, I've got to finish up uh, season two before it comes out. Set to
0: make returns, TJP making his long-awaited return to Impact Wrestling.
3: Yeah, I think by the time this comes out, it might have already aired. I definitely saw a clip of him returning, and he got a very decent reaction. He came back as he's going to be just TJP, so he's keeping his branding from the WWE, which, I mean, those are his initials, so it's so like they can trademark that. But, yeah, I mean, one of the many cruiserweights that It's been very disappointing since they brought the Cruiserweight division back. If you go back to the original Cruiserweight Classic Tournament, three of the four final participants in that tournament are no longer with the company. I mean, two of them didn't sign to begin with. Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi never signed, so they never started. But then TJP is gone, and he's the one that won it. He's their first champion, and he's gone. Rich Swan, who was the champion, gone. Oh, yeah, if you go back through the title lineage of the cruiserweights i'd say almost half of them are gone because you have enzo gone rich swan gone for both of them not because they wanted to leave but they were dismissed neville left tjp left and then even people that weren't champions uh Hideo Itami showed back up in Japan and showed up at New Japan over the weekend. So, even the people that got called up to the main roster like Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy, they haven't been on TV. Yeah. Since they've been called up. So, it's even worse than it was for them because now they're not even on if they are there, they're chasing after the twenty four seven. Cedric's chasing after that twenty four seven belt. Well, I I love the
0: fact that I wasn't even going to mention it, but I sat down and watched like the Chronicles of Ali, okay, Mustafa Ali, and so th- he's walking through that. Like I mean, he's walking through that, and he's it's ending with him right there, right before Money in the Bank, and he truly believes he's like this is it. This is what all my hard work is for. So I am 1,000% buying into the fact that no one in that ring knew Brock was coming out. I mean, they built this up to where, here he is. He's going to win tonight. And we just, we have filmed this entire long, and then they ripped that away. When they, you know, here it is, they took a year of filming this dude. And And turning it into something great. So they don't give a shit about the cruiserweights. They don't give a shit about you know. And for for someone like Mustafa Ali, who I did not enjoy his style at first. I thought (laughs) I had the Daniel Bryan syndrome. I thought he's too small. He just he doesn't deliver. Yeah, he's a good high flyer, but
3: I don't see him in a main event role. He has proved me wrong. Oh, yeah. He was going to be in Kofi Kingston's position. I mean, he wasn't going to get the shot at WrestleMania, but he was going to be in that Elimination Chamber match in the Kofi Kingston role yeah. where he comes up just short. And Kevin Owens was going to be in the WrestleMania match still, but that injury happened at the worst time for him as far as being featured in the upper tier of the SmackDown stars and he's kind of moved back down. I don't even think he was on TV this past week, so he that's, was at the Saudi Arabia show, but he wasn't on SmackDown. So. But I
0: mean that just goes to show me like with TJP and even, you know, Mustafa Ali who works for the company still, they don't really give a shit about cruiserweights at all. They they don't. They don't give a shit about the cruiserweights and that's very obvious.
3: No, I think that for the most part that The cruiserweight division just exists so that they can sign these guys and put them on the bench because they know that if they were in an AEW or out to their competitors, they would be big stars. Yeah. And so this can prevent them from doing that. Yeah. Are you going to take a chance on yourself and go to the Indies and try to make a bunch of money or just get the guaranteed money and just sit on the bench? I mean, I'm always for making money and not doing any work and that's basically what they're doing I mean even though they they work week to week you know usually but not all of them get on that that show so two weeks ago at a Ring of Honor taping oh man
0: I showed you the picture and it looked rough Uh, they they were lucky if they drew 200 people it might have been 300 but there was a lot of empty seats
3: they had a So Ring of Honor had a TV taping in Kent, Washington, and, yeah, they did not draw a very good crowd. But Kent, Washington is not their home base. I mean, they usually tape from Baltimore, where they're centrally located. I mean, the problem with Ring of Honor right now is that they don't have the roster of talent that they used to following the departure of Cody and the Young Bucks. And some of the the great talent that they do have access to is in the G1, is overseas in New Japan because they have the talent exchange yeah. partnership. So when those guys aren't around, when Juice Robinson is over in New Japan wrestling John Moxley and not at your TV taping, you're going to have poor crowds like that. Yeah. Because I looked at their roster just the other day because I was curious who's still around. And you can go to like ROHwrestling.com and look at their roster and you, you see this guy and it's like, oh, Will Ospreay, well, he's not there, he's in Japan. Okay, Juice Robinson, he's in Japan. And it's just like that. You go down the row, and it's like, oh, well, who is here? Um, Bully Ray, Cheeseburger, PCO. I mean, that's fine for some people, but if they're trying to attract the same kind of crowd as an all-elite wrestling, as hardcore wrestling fans, that's not going to draw... It's not... Yeah. Me to go buy a ticket to go see a show. Well, that's like when they came here and you worked that uh, that show for them. They, d- Yeah, but even then, I mean, they had Kevin Steen at the time, so they did... But they didn't draw. Like, that card... Oh, yeah, and they've never been back to town since. No. But I think that has more to do with our town, because... Does that have to do with you, Alex? No, <laughs> I think it has to do with... The town that we live in, I mean, WWE doesn't bring TV here, and I think it's for the same reason. So, they learned their lesson. That wasn't even a TV taping. No, that was a pay-per-view. No, it was just a DVD. Oh, it was just a DVD? Yeah, so. Who knows? Yeah, I just, I think that has more to do with the town, and also with the venue they booked. It wasn't like they booked the UTC arena. They booked a a camp, a mini indoor soccer field. They have talent issues, Uh, much like we discussed about NWA a few weeks ago. It's like, it's just an arms race for talent, and who do you have? Moving forward in August,
0: AEW will be running All Out, and it will be live in Chicago, but it will be on the exact same day as UK NXT's pay-per-view, their second takeover,
3: and so... Yeah, but because of the time difference, I don't think that's As going big. to affect a lot of people in the States that bad. Now, if I don't think there's that much crossover, really. No, but still, it just, I mean, it's
0: a unique form of kind of foreshadows, like, was it done purposely? Or was it just, is it coincidental? I mean, conspiracists out there are going to think things like that. That's why I'm...
3: You know, um. Yeah, it's a sign of things too. I mean, they traditionally run U.S. takeover events on Saturdays, so there's going to be... But there's already competition between some takeover cards and UFC cards already, and other major sporting events like the NBA Finals are on. The only way I would say that, oh, it's definitely the WWE trying to send them a message as if they start doing main roster pay-per-views on set. What if they all of a sudden just... Well, seeing like you and
0: I discussed, I love pay-per-views on Saturdays.
3: Well, yeah, because Sundays suck. Yeah. Because the next day is Monday.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sticking with AEW, Cody Rhodes is selling t-shirts of him with the sledgehammer breaking the throne. Okay. (laughs) Um, What's your thoughts on that? Uh, Was it a, you know, it was a gimmick for in my opinion you and i it was a gimmick done once to prove a point be done with it now we're writing this thing as like it's a fucking important piece of history
3: it's a symbol yeah
0: so i mean it's uh, just
3: as important as lex luger walking out on monday night oh it's
0: huge huge
3: shots fired so what are your thoughts on this t-shirt and will you be buying it uh no, I, I think that they're just trying to sell a lot of T-shirts. They're very much arm in arm with pro wrestling tees, and pro wrestling tees puts out a T-shirt pretty much for anything and everything. When that CM Punk Colt Cabana lawsuit was settled, like an hour or two later, they had like scot free Colt Cabana shirts like on that <laughs> website. So they are always ready to go with all these designs and their creative team and all that. Yeah, they they have a I mean, if you ever just go to the website and just look in random wrestlers' t-shirt store, it's just ridiculous how many t-shirts, how many t-shirt designs they have. Yeah and it's done quite well for them. I mean, they have they've grown from being just an only an online store. They have an actual store in Chicago. So they when when all out comes to town, it's like one of the destinations you go to now as yeah. you go to the pro wrestling tees. Orlando
0: is Hogan's beat shop if you go to, you know, Chicago pro wrestling tees t-shirts.
3: Yeah, that's the real that's the dividing line in the t-shirt wars. So <laughs> it's whatever. I hope that he doesn't start <laughs> just smashing other random WWE items and this becomes his entrance. I don't know. Like you have an Undertaker symbol and he smashes it. Well, I think Undertaker is doing plenty to diminish his own legacy. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't need Cody to do it. So
0: Yeah. Um
3: <laughs> Goldberg apologizes for the terrible match. Yeah, Goldberg sent out a tweet. So we're recording this on Sunday after after Super Showdown uh, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. I did not watch. I only watched the Goldberg-Undertaker match. You sold and, out, bro. Yeah, I sold out. Well, they already had my $10, so... Fucking sold out, dude. I watched it on someone else... I watched it on Britain's phone. He showed it to me, okay. so it's... All I right. didn't go out of my way, but I would have because of all the hype of the bullshit this match was. This was a big weekend in wrestling because you had the Dominion show in New Japan where you had Jericho and Okada. You had the G1 that happened earlier in the week with John Moxley and Will Ospreay in the, involved in that card. And so it was a big week in pro wrestling, but the most talked about thing had to be this match between these two. And they just stunk it up. They almost broke each other's necks. Uh, they literally, yeah goldberg busted himself open and yeah he sent out a tweet apologizing but it was it was pretty bad but as long as they have this contract with the kingdom of saudi arabia they're gonna keep doing these legends matches and results may vary
0: yeah what do you think
3: about have you seen the video of rick flair the
0: promo where he's, he's getting kind of pissy with uh, Sean.
3: Yeah, I didn't see the second part. He's taken the second part of the video off because the second part of the video, he, like, makes allegations against his management and his lawyers and stuff, and so... I don't know. Yeah, I didn't see that part of the video... That wasn't in my notes, but... uh, Okay, yeah, it was like a two-part. He's standing in front of his TV, in front of a a still shot of him in the TV, so it's really weird. It's like Ric Flair is looking over Ric Flair's shoulder. It's a very strange video. It's just Ric Flair... It's his proclamation that he's back. He's gonna do whatever he wants. This is after his surgery and him... Yes, but this is like... This is like a declaration of availability, because it's like... He mentions how much his hospital bills cost and that he's, you know, ready to go out and make appearances and make money, I guess. But in, in this rambling, ranting video, he, like, throws out that Shawn Michaels says that, oh, he mentions in the 30 for 30 documentary, which we've already covered, there's a line from Shawn saying that, oh, Ric Flair never met Richard Fleer. yeah. And Rick jumps on that in this promo and says, you know, who are you to talk, you know, Sean? Which he's got sort of a point there, because, yeah. I mean, Sean Sean Michaels through the mid-90s was not Sean Hickenbottom. Yeah, Sean Michaels and Sean Hickenbottom
0: were, were not the same. It was a... I mean, they were the same to a degree that there was no Sean Hickenbottom. There was strictly... Shawn Michaels twenty four seven, yeah, and uh, I think that's the allegations in which he was making towards Rick.
3: I don't think he was really attacking Sean. He was just saying like that's kind of hypocritical for him to say that. But it's funny that he's bringing this up now. That thirty for thirty came out two years ago. Yeah, that's what this has been on his mind a long time.
0: Uh, and, and I guess he
3: was in his hospital bed bored and he watched it. It was a strange video, but so very yeah. It was but a someone very sat there and taped it for him. His wife. So, Okay, so is, it, is her name Wendy? Yeah. yeah. So Wendy sat there and watched this. Yeah. And was totally fine with the. That's just what's well,
0: fucking Rick Flair. Are you gonna tell him no?
3: <laughs> Think about well, uh, when you put it like that. Like, I mean, who's got the balls to stand up and be like, "No, Rick, you're not done. You, Rick, this isn't such a good idea." Yeah. But apparently, later on, somebody had the. Okay, maybe we should take some of this down, and I'm so they took. Pretty the sure that part.
0: was more of a Triple H kind of sending
3: him Somebody, air. or yeah. somebody, his lawyer, whoever, his management, has probably sent him a cease and desist, and I don't know. It was very strange. It was
0: very strange. It was very unique and weird, and it just it has me skeptical about the, uh, the future. For someone who loves Ric Flair like I do, it has me skeptical about the future of the nature boy two weeks ago uh, i made our pick for this show and it is the greatest wcw thunder
3: of all fucking time well the bar is really low there because you said wcw thunder which i'll say right now wcw thunder for the most part sucks whatever and even as a huge wrestling fan in 1998 when they started thunder in 1999 I was not watching Thunder. Like, I started it, I I hung with it for a few weeks, and then I was like, you know what? Nothing's really happening on this show. (laughs) And if you go down the list of, like, memorable moments from Thunder, I was thinking about this on the way over here today to record. It's like, memorable moments from Thunder, and I came up with three. Three whole moments. Okay. Okay. Between three years of TV time, that's pretty sad. Okay, which three? I'm curious. Okay, here are the three moments. One that we're about to review. I would put this as probably number one. This is the biggest moment in Thunder history. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, so the second moment is when they announced that Goldberg was going to fight Hogan on Nitro. So an announcement of a match is number two. That's true, man, because they did that on Thursday,
0: because Thunder was on Thursday. And right? it was still live then. And it yeah. was still live then. And they
3: announced that for the Georgia Dome. On Monday. On Monday. <laughs> yeah. And they sold out the Georgia Dome. Well, they Dome. didn't sell out. They sold a lot more tickets. But imagine had they done that, I don't know, say a month, a month ago. ago? Yeah. 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 When JJ Dillon comes out and he's like, maybe you have your tickets, maybe you don't. Oh, by the way, we're doing our biggest main event ever on Monday. Yeah. And Which, also it's a big fuck you to whoever bought tickets to that. Thunder by the way <laughs> that's too. True, yeah. Um all right. Well, so she, that was number 2 and then number 3 was totally un unre- it wasn't supposed to happen. It was totally an accident, but when Buff Bagwell broke his neck on Thunder. Wow. And they had to bring the show to a complete halt and it was live TV. It was really scary. Yeah, yeah cuz he wasn't moving and Tony and Bobby And I forget who the third, Mike Tenet, just had to sit there and fill because they didn't know what to do. And that was a very memorable moment watching because I think I was still watching then uh, because it was just, you never see that. No, it did. It caught, well, it's like at a a,
0: uh, Raw that we went to, you know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat after a match was going to be announced as going into the Hall of Fame but they couldn't scoop Jamie
3: Noble out of the ring fast enough right cuz Jamie Noble Mike Knox Mike destroyed
0: Knox him. Fucked him up and he was in really bad shape and it was not a we're they bring, had to move the segment yeah it was not that we're bringing a stretcher out for for you know storyline purposes no he really was in bad shape and i think that incident is what uh caused Jamie Noble to not work a full-time schedule ever again um, it was a very dangerous scary moment in Atlanta or was it Nashville? I forget which one it was but, but it, it, and I think it was Nashville and they moved the segment to uh, to up on stage with uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as well as little memorable moment while they're doing that the uh, the cameras pan to you and me and shows us uh, standing up there clapping and cheering for for Ricky. So for true fans there that are
3: curious, there you go. Well, I'm sure they'll be easy to spot us. But it also shows the difference between WCW and WWE's production team because yes. they know how to hide stuff like that. But that is, uh, that's my top three. That's my only three memorable moments from Thunder. I guess number four I could put up there was in October of 99 when they were switching to Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara as the head bookers. The final night of kevin Nash's booker he does commentary the whole night i got one that you did not think about that
0: was huge okay what happened on thunder the very next week after this one the return of macho man they're doing the battle royal after the russo's the new york rules whatever bullshit they're doing the battle royal the new blood is whooping ass and taking names we haven't seen macho in a year and a half Oh, I mean, that's like his one of his final appearances. That's his final fucking appearance, man. He walks right. He, he gets out of a a limo. You just see his feet as he's walking all the way the fuck out, and then bam, man, his music hit, and that place went crazy, and it was on a fucking thunder. And so, and he whoops ass, man. He just he he nineties sting whooped ass. Like he owned that in all the whole fucking New Blood group. And so, yeah, that was that's a huge, and that was one of his, if not his, very last WCW appearance.
3: Well, so there you go. We've named a total of five things from Three Years of Thunder that you yes. can go back and research. So, this was your pick this week. It's the April 26, 2000 edition. Of WCW Thunder And it's the year 2000 in WCW So you know it's going to be just amazing Oh yeah Let me just uh, set the scene for WCW In April of 2000 In April April 10th was Reset Nitro That was when Vince Russo Was brought back To team with Eric Bischoff Who was also brought back As both of these men had been exiled Already sent home To continue to collect money And not do any work and they were, both, they were both brought together. And it was crazy because the week before that, Patrick, the April 3rd edition of Nitro, they didn't do Nitro. Yeah. They did the strangest thing. And I remember because I was still watching a little bit of WCW at the time, flipping back and forth. And I was just curious, what's going on on Nitro? Let's just flip over and see. And I was like, why is there no show? It's just like, it's Mark Madden and Tony Schiavone in a dark arena talking about Oh, remember the good times? Remember when this happened? Yeah. And <laughs> and and sometimes they, and they were sitting there just basically saying, "Yeah, we know our show sucks." <laughs> yeah. But but next week, it's all going to be good again. Yeah. And they also did the same thing for Thunder because I think it's on the network as well. This is the latest uploads of Thunder because they don't have the entire Thunder library. You don't have the final Thunder on there. So we're only through like midway through 2000. On WWE Network, but they did the same thing for Thunder that week, too. And this by this point in WCW's life, Thunder was taped on Tuesday and aired on Wednesday. Yeah. Because SmackDown was on Thursdays, so no point in going head-to-head with them. We already get beat on Mondays, so let's try and do it on a night that's unopposed. Let's do it on Wednesday. So Thunder had been moved to Wednesday and was taped at this point. So Reset Nitro hits... Uh, the pay-per-view to determine the new champion. Turns out it's Jeff Jarrett. Well, the Nitro after that, immediately, Jeff Jarrett drops the belt to Diamond Dallas Page. Now, all this is going on while their movie, WCW's movie, Ready to Rumble, Oh yeah, had come out on April 7th. So the timing here couldn't have been worse, Patrick, because they released their movie April 7th, and then the very first Nitro you see after that is Reset Nitro. They had no time to really promote this movie. So here we are at the end of April. Oh, let's get around to promoting that movie that's gotten terrible reviews and it's not making us any money. And it's not in movie theaters anymore, probably. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's probably starting to move towards the dollar theaters we still need to review that by the way i don't think so i don't think i have it in me to <laughs> review ready to rumble especially after the chaperone <laughs> david arquette is brought on to screen and on monday nitro as to be ddp's lackey so they're friends so we've established the ddp and david arquette are good buddies which leads us into tonight yes Uh, Thunder, so this was taped on a Tuesday, so WCW, someone floated the idea, like Tony Schiavone or somebody floated the idea in a meeting, just was... For shits and giggles, literally. said, let's have David Arquette win the title, and Vince Russo said, I love that idea, (laughs) and you know it's a bad idea when he loves an idea, (laughs) and so they decided to do it purposely knowing that we're taping it, so that way word can get out and you have to see you tune how, in. It, how it happens. And yeah. so I, they suckered me and I think this was a thunder that I actually tuned in and watched because I read online that he wins the belt. And so, okay, I'll watch this. And it was also a ploy to get it into USA Today. They made it in the fourth page or whatever of USA Today.
0: Well, I mean, like I said, and this is the argument that I've made, then I believe that I actually turned your tide. You thought that this was a terrible moment, and when I made this argument, you
3: bought into the fact that, yeah, it was right. Uh, No, I think it's still a terrible idea, (laughs) but things are going so badly. For a company that was struggling so terrible, I mean, they
0: were really struggling. It was brilliant to get eyes back on their product
3: and to get people... To get Kurt Russell to say WCW. That's ultimately what they got out of this. (laughs) To get Courtney Cox and Kurt Russell to say WCW is really what they got out of all this. It it was great. It was
0: brilliant to get all eyes on your product, to get people buying into it, to get people thinking, fuck, I got to buy this pay-per-view. Coming up in a week and a half
3: because shit, you know, and so yeah, Slambery was not the following Sunday, but the one after that because Arquette worked Nitro, and yeah, we have this Thunder. Arquette works Nitro that
0: Monday. We have then the the Thunder that I was discussing, that was Vince Russo's uh, New York Rules, where no referees whatsoever. You had to count your own pin or submission. And um, then Sunday was Slam Sunday was Slam with the triple cage. Yes, which we've already and and reviewed. poor poor Canyon takes a uh, a very very scary bump in in the Kemper Arena. Where in Owen the Kemper Owen Hart Arena, literally just a year after Owen. And very so, tasteful. Very distasteful. Yeah, it was and very scary as well. But
3: yeah, moving forward. So, this episode of Thunder opens with a recap video, which I do appreciate because I wasn't going to go back and watch all the storylines heading into this episode. I wasn't going to go take the extra step and really get into this. All you really need to know about the recap is that it's New Blood and Millionaire's Club. New Blood being either underutilized talent underutilized older talent because Scott Steiner is in the new blood despite being old yeah um or young talent young that's talent. underutilized, and so and then you have the,
0: the Millionaires. Millionaires Club which is like Flair, Sting, DDP Established Stars Established Stars but then you also have like Brian Adams and Brian Clark who were they were older for for wrestling but they're not millionaires but they're not millionaires and they're young talent for <laughs> for WCW for whatever so it was very it was, weird
3: how you got bracketed between the two groups
0: Well yeah you put fucking
3: buff bagwell in with the new blood I mean Well in in that sense, I sort of get it with him because he had never... He hadn't hit that main event status. He like. still looked young, like he, even though he had been with the company a long time, too. A very long time. Yeah, I mean, and Scott Steiner. Even the guys towards the end that we all... I mean, we know that Booker T is like... He came out of the company with the title belt. Yeah. But he had been in the company forever. Yeah. So it's not like... After Goldberg, they had no other backup plan as far as fresh or newer talent or younger talent to make a main eventer. And Goldberg is not there because he was a dumbass. He smashed his hand by limo by breaking a limousine window with his bare hand. And after they offered him to use the thing to put between your fingers that just breaks the glass instantly, well, they were and he opted not to. And a baseball bat. And he forgot
0: the bat, and he refused to use that other as a backup just in case, if he forgot the bat, and he used his bare hand and ended up like tearing tendons and all kinds of shit. Almost
3: lost his arm.
0: Almost, yeah. Almost had to literally uh, have an amputation. And so it was a very serious thing. And, and that was a major blow to the company, too, because... Huge, because he had just... While, yes, he was on his downward spiral to a degree, he wasn't champ no more. Well, yeah, after, gotten,
3: after Starcade 98, he was, you know, I mean, they had done a lot of damage. Yeah, but at the same time, there was a lot to
0: save. He could have easily curved right back. They could up. have fixed it. Yeah. yeah, they could
3: have easily fixed it, and they didn't. And yeah. now they couldn't. And so, yeah. so, so, reset Nitro is basically the introduction of these two factions and the New Blood. Also, someone that's been wrestling forever, Jeff Jarrett, is like the leader
4: of, of the, the New, New Blood.
3: New, yeah, yeah. This mid Carter from the WWF is now our hell. He was a mid Carter for WCW too. Should have been. I hate to say it. I mean, he's just not. To me, he's not a top guy, and well, he had I'm to talking ma- about on his uh, his first run. And, and oh yeah, yeah. When he came in and was in the Horsemen and all yeah. that stuff, yeah, it was never. But I don't. No one was sitting around clamoring saying, you know what, this guy really needs. He needs a break. You know, yeah. he's one step away. Yeah. I don't think anyone said that, but he was good friends with. Vince Russo and they left the company together, and Vince Russo got him all that money. He told him uh, basically they knew that his contract expired before he had to Russo do
0: that. helped him set up the the way in which they were yeah, able to he screw, blackmailed Vince screw yeah. and blackmail Vince out of money,
3: out of a lot more money. Yeah, so and a lot more money. So he owed him. Yeah, so that was his uh, that's his big pal. Also on that reboot Nitro, they introduced the ECW champion, Mike Awesome. Yes. And the very first night he's there, put him right next to Kevin Nash, so you know that he's not the biggest guy in the company. Yeah. So, way to go, guys. So, the New Blood, though, is positioned as heels. And the Millionaires Club, even though it includes people like Hogan and Flair, that traditionally had been working heels the last yeah. few
0: years. Or automatically the baby face.
3: Yeah. Which is really weird. It,
0: yeah. If After years of Hollywood Hogan. If you were a millionaires club member, you were you were baby. You, you're a good guy.
3: You were baby. So this and, is all backwards to begin with. Yeah. Because the goal is to well, get around. My
0: whole thing of it is is how in the hell is Chris Candido and Tammy in the new
3: blood? <laughs> I don't I don't know. But, I mean just well, yeah. I mean, Scott Steiner to me. I just keep going back to that, like, and Paisley is a Millionaires Club. I haven't understood that one. I know Paisley is with uh, Prince Ikea, so she's it's that was a New Blood. Also, that's another thing. So there's only like six people in the Millionaires Club, yeah. And there's like 55 in the New Blood. <laughs> so. In some of these matches, and that's what they ran into right away, this idea was basically scrapped within a couple of months. Basically, after Bash the Beach is when it was totally scrapped, because then Bischoff was gone. Well, that's also because... And then Hogan was gone. Hogan, well, Jarrett and Russo pulled the shit they pulled, but... Yeah, um, so then the New Blood members or people that you think, oh, okay, this is a younger guy. Now he's wrestling another younger guy. They had to wrestle each other. Yeah. Because there wasn't enough to go around. And then you had to take some people and cast them in a weird, not a millionaire's club, not a new blood, like people like Rey Mysterio, who, you know, would hook was with Conan, and the filthy animals are just like... Hanging out. Yeah, the no-limit soldiers, you know. Yeah. They're just like, we don't know where to put you because Rey Mysterio can't be a bad guy. Yeah. So, it, it was... was- it convoluted. They should have thought it out more. They should have made the, they should have made the divisions more even. That way, they could always have one versus the other, and then you could, and also have the new blood as the baby faces. Well, Booker T is a Millionaires Club member. Well, actually, he's worse than that, Patrick, because he was, he was on his way to being GI Bro. He wasn't That's part true. of the Millionaires. Well, but you had you had uh, Hugh Morris part of the million no that was they were the misfits in action see they weren't even included oh i thought they i thought hugh morris not everybody else but i thought hugh morris was no you see the misfits in action patrick were so forgotten about that's why they were misfits because yeah. they lash larue they didn't get signed anywhere so they just had to be major guns they had to show up in the crowd and then became a group i need i need more major guns in my life
0: yeah and and general Rection yeah
3: Pamela Paulshock and oh April Hunter and oh the other ladies from this time yes oh of course Scott Steiner's head freak Medasia. Medasia, yes who was the other one though uh, I don't remember the other one <laughs> I'm sorry I don't remember <laughs> I just remember the head freak yeah
0: the head freak. He treated them women like shit, man. He treated them women like shit. I would not... If I was a woman, I would
3: not be... I wouldn't be comfortable being paired up with him because you never know when he's going to snap. Well, not just that. The shit he would call them. Like, he's... For as much as you're getting paid though in W C W to do anything, if you're just mopping floors in WCW, you you're making a hundred grand a year. Well ask Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He can Yeah, he was a janitor. <laughs> he found the T V title in the garbage can. See, that was another thing. People like him, where do you put him? That's it's true. Like you can't put him with the Millionaires Club because you know Jim Duggan doesn't have a million dollars in the year two thousand. So that's true. It's and but you can't put him with the new blood. He's from nineteen eighties. So. Well, and everybody,
0: you cannot hate Jim
3: Duggan. Uh, there's just no way to or hate or people like Bam Bam Bigelow. Were in the new blood. Yeah. So it's true. Again, lots of problems with this concept. It's and almost like the cat was in the new blood, right? The cat. Yeah, the cat Ernest Miller. So we're we're
0: kicking it off. New blood versus new blood. Yeah. First match out tonight.
3: Here's what happened in the recap video. So Kidman, Billy Kidman is Hulk Hogan's first program in this new Millionaires Club New Blood feud.
0: Fuck! I want to know who in the hell Vince Russo kissed ass. Well, to, here's to Hogan. Get this
3: Hogan worked himself into a shoot, brother. Here's what happened. So Hogan. Went on his friend, his ex-friend now, Bubba the Love Sponge Show. Bubba the Love Sponge. And he talked about Billy Kidman couldn't sell tickets to a flea market and just like totally... (laughs) Buried him. Yeah, threw Kidman under the bus in this interview, and this got some traction in the dirt sheets and everywhere else. And so then the next time Hogan was on the show, he had to try to pull himself out because he was getting all this shit. So he says, oh, guys, I was just dogging him because we got a program coming up together. Me and Billy Kidman. And so he basically... Now he has to have yeah, this
0: program with him. Yeah, yeah
3: so he, as he most, most famously says on Twitter, don't work yourself into a shoot, brother. Well, he did exactly <laughs> that. He actually shot himself into a
0: work. Okay, well, I'm working myself into a shoot right now. Brock Lesnar, fuck you!
3: All right. Oh, so you're going to get... Oh, man, I would... Okay, so Kidman wants Hogan. Of course Hogan doesn't work Thunder, so Kidman probably not going to run into Hogan on Thunder. Kimberly Page, she wants a divorce from DDP.
0: <laughs> okay. And this was a, this was a work shoot as well because they were legit- They would get divorced were a few years later <laughs> getting divorced. The proceedings had started and would be finalized like a year and a half to two years later.
3: I think it was like 04 by the time they actually got divorced but this is there are some rumors about maybe Bischoff and his wife they did some swapping with DDP and his wife at the time so really? just some rumors just and, I mean, Bischoff seemed very interested in Kimberly and what Kimberly was up to.
0: Well, I'm going to have to easily go and ask Mr. Uh, Dallas Page about this. Cause...
3: I don't think DDP... I mean, they're still friends. They make appearances at conventions together, him and Kimberly. So, Really? Yeah. Didn't you not notice when we were at WrestleCon in Orlando that the sign said, like... It wasn't the day we were there, but the sign where he was going to be at said, like, meet DDP and Kimberly tomorrow. So he still does... Con I circuits with that. her, yeah. So it was. Damn, we should have went back there. And movie. remember in his Hall of Fame speech, he was very gracious towards her and didn't, true. didn't say, Oh, very true. what a bitch, you know. That's tore my true. life apart. Um, so he's very complimentary. So it was. Uh, I had a friend, though, that was backstage at a show
0: here, a Nitro here in Chattanooga, and um, an older friend. And. When he was trying to help out and he walked up and uh, tried to sh- like shake her hand or introduce himself, and Kimberly blew him off. And Dallas Page was right there, literally just seconds later, as she- Kimberly's walking away. And, and Dallas is like, she's a bitch when it comes to fans, don't worry about it. And just, just like gives this dude all this amounts of time. And so it, it, she did have kind of that mode of attitude to where now she has nothing else to the point. I'm sure she has to do these cons now with Dallas. Well, so. she
3: made it into uh, some movies for a little while. She was in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah. Um, and she was, in her role here, was a pretty good actress. Not, yes. not in When she had to do stuff in the ring, it wasn't so great, but when she was talking and... Uh, she breaks the nail. <laughs> yeah, when some of the, uh, when this feud would continue, uh, well, when this divorce angle would continue, she did some really good work on Nitro and stuff yeah. with uh, pre tape segments and stuff, yeah. so she had some potential. So... The Reset Nitro happened, and that reset all the feuds. You're supposed to forget any feud happened, but one feud that did continue, because they both have face paint, Patrick, is Vampiro and Sting. And so, on Nitro, Sting got doused in the red liquid, because you can't say blood at Turner, so the new blood dumped red liquid. You can't say blood, but yet they're calling themselves the new blood. Right, you just can't refer to blood as blood everything else can be blood but not blood
0: we're the new blood brother or blood brothers i
3: mean in 2019 wwe they're very nervous about saying it they even i think one time referred to it as oh there's some red league when they even acknowledge it most of the time they don't acknowledge it
0: yeah
3: or they just say oh he's busted open they never say oh there's blood everywhere So, Sting here on Nitro looks like 2019 Dustin Rhodes from... uh, Oh, yeah, he does. Except the blood that they used or the red liquid. Uh, I believe it was pudding. It looked like... It was like too brown to be... Pudding? It looked like pudding to me. Really? It did.
0: It just didn't have the... So, you think it was like, Nah, man, that wasn't pudding. Well, that would have... Because when that shit splattered on him in the ring, that Nitro before this... That shit was really watery and splattered him hard. Yeah, so that happened to him on Nitro. It makes me wonder if it was like watered down like
3: before you put it in the Freezer Jello. It was probably something with yeah, cornstarch and whatever. I mean they had access to a movie studio, so and they had no concept of money so fake blood. It was was just yeah. Well it was red liquid. Mm. Jeff Jarrett lost his belt to DDP on Nitro when David Arquette helped out. Yes.
0: David Arquette
3: helped screw Jeff out of the title. Just two days now, before. Knowing how all this ended, Patrick, this was some convoluted plan on Jeff Jarrett's part based on what happens at Slambury. Oh, yeah. What a weird convoluted plan Jeff Jarrett had. Well, it's like... I mean, Bischoff joining the NWO made zero sense. Well, you
0: go back to, to Taker. Uh, oh, and Kane. Taker. And, well, no. Taker kidnapping
3: Stephanie. Oh, right. To have Vince be Because the,
0: of the higher power.
3: Which, and, yeah, the 20th anniversary of the higher power gimmick was this week. So,
0: And Vince was the higher power. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, there were some gimmicks in wrestling around this time couple years before and a couple years after that make you scratch your head
3: going what the hell were they thinking so then we get the 2000s era thunder intro plays with that terrible generic rock music it was awful we're in syracuse new york for thunder tony mike tenet and bobby heenan are here as our commentary team dude bobby was
0: not in any type of happy place he just flat out was zoned out
3: uh well he was pretty much checked out of the company at this point uh he would not make it to the end of wcw on the commentary team he was sent home before the end of it so he was replaced by uh yeah scott hudson and mike Tanay, i think would end up being the final thunder commentary team so good buddy scott scott is a good good friend of our podcast by the way Bischoff arrives outside the arena. He's with Jeff Jarrett, Kimberly Page, and Jeff Jarrett has brought a friend, David Arquette, and he, I guess, kidnapped him after Nitro and has dragged him all the way to Syracuse, New York, for Thunder. Out in the trunk of a car, by the way. Just in the open. And no one, the Arquette family, a very big family, by the way, no one noticed David had been kidnapped. Not Courtney or anybody, uh, but Jeff Jarrett did. Jarrett drags David Arquette to the ring in a chin lock, which he... It's a really loose kind of uh, chin lock. Oh, it's very...
0: And then he puts... Does he not put on a um, hammer lock on him that he says he'll break his arm if he does not get a world title shot tonight?
3: Yeah, he's got to get what he wants. Yeah. And uh, Arquette would have trouble deciding what to sell all throughout the night on his way to his match. <laughs> Jarrett grabs the mic, and he wants DDP and his title belt back. Paige comes out with Champagne Chris Canyon, who was another guy who you couldn't... Yeah, he's not in the Millionaire's Club, but he's a good guy. He so was he can't in the Millionaire's be, Club. He was like an honorary millionaire. Yeah, because of DDP. Yeah. yeah. So Champagne Chris Canyon is just out to have DDP's back. Jarrett declares, this is the revenge of the new blood right here tonight. He wants a tag match with the title on the line. That's very strange. Whoever gets the pinfall. Why would you book yourself into that match, even as a heel? I think he was wanting Bischoff's help. Oh, he just thought David Arquette would be of would actually hinder. We can we can just pin David Arquette very quickly,
0: right? And also the fact that he wanted his fucking hands on David Arquette. He's already got him, yeah, but legit legally in a match to the point that he owed him for screwing him out of the title on Monday just two days before. It's so, just very strange It to was me. very strange it was, but... Because the,
3: now you're giving three other people the opportunity to keep this belt Well, it's not like Bischoff's going to,
0: you know go into business for himself and we know David Arquette is in no way any type of a wrestler and there's no way in hell he could win this match. Yeah,
3: they wouldn't book him to win this No, so, so you know there you go GDP says screw you, Jarrett, and Jarrett says no screw you, Page. But back on TBS, they and TNT did this too. They would try to bleep these out to make it sound seem like they're saying fuck you yeah. instead of screw you. But yeah. here on the network. It's unedited, and it just sounds stupid. Right. Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas. Also Shane Douglas in The New Blood. Shane Douglas. I
0: I was thinking that just a minute ago. Shane Douglas is not in any way... Him and Candido, or Bigelow for that matter, do not need to be in The New Bloods.
3: They appear behind Canyon and DDP's back, but then Luger and Ric Flair, other millionaires, come out and attack them, so they... They got the back of DDP in Champagne Chris Canyon. That's right. Paige says, I don't want to disappoint you, monkey boy. Paige and then Kimberly then argue in the ring, and she smacks him. Paige teases DDTing her. What a noble baby face this would have been. Oh, that would have been great. Or if he'd have spun around and hit the diamond cutter on her. but she crawls on her knees across the ring to then low blow him he lets lets her go out of the goodness
0: of his heart and he's going to get out of the ring and she crawls on her hands and knees over to him and just nut shots him right there just low blows it's amazing
3: how he got suddenly really slow when he got to the ropes so yeah it's coincidence yeah and here you go. This is how you say you started off every successful wrestling show with Ernest Miller backstage dancing. Yes. This is wow. I'm hooked. Yeah. I'm gonna stay right here. Mean Gene comes in here. He and says.
0: Ernest is a friend of mine, but this is not a good way to start a show.
3: He tells Mean Gene, "Don't stop my dancing and don't touch my James Brown CDs. CDs. So CDs. It's the year 2000." He tells Gene to leave so he can keep dancing. Jarrett then takes cat to the boiler room. Then we go to a recap of the Cat, Ernest Miller, and Bam Bam Bigelow's feud. Two guys who I think are in the new blood are going to fight each other, so they'll settle it here tonight. The Cat... Apparently. The Cat. He knows some information about Bam Bam's mom. Yes. He knows what cup size she is. So the Cat gets into the ring... After his shitty dubbed-over theme, it's one of the worst dubs in dun, the entire. Dun dun, dun. <laughs> It's like on a Fisher Price keyboard. It um, really is. He says to Bam Bam as Bam Bam comes out. Bam Bam, very big. Oh uh, damn! Uh, I know we talk about Yokozuna all the time, but Bam, Bam Bam was also rapidly expanding. He was he was pushing that that four hundred pound mark. The cat, Ernest Miller. As you mentioned earlier, he has some insider information about Mrs. Bigelow, Bam yes. Bam's mom. So he says to Bam Bam, "Hey, your breasts are bigger than your mom's." Which this is too much for Bam Bam. Your breasteses—that's what cracked me up. Yeah, your breasteses is bigger than hers. <laughs> this just infuriates Bam Bam. So he gets in the ring, and it's time to scrap. It's good to go. Meanwhile, Miss Hancock, Stacy Keebler. As she is a talent scout, which they really never really paid this off with her recruiting anybody, but she yeah. was a talent scout for the new blood, I guess. She comes out and just walks around.
0: Okay, well, what kills me is before this, wasn't before this when she became Stacy Keebler and she's
3: going to marry David Flair? David Flair. No, that's, that's later on. Oh,
0: that is later on? Yeah, that's okay.
3: later on. Before this, she was just Nitro Girl. Oh, Stacy, I okay. think. Same with Charmelle. So, when Russo got there, he was looking at all these paychecks that were going out in the mail, and he saw all these Nitro girls and was like, what do they do? Well, they just dance. Well, let's get some work out of them. <laughs> and also, I think Vince Russo's a bit of a pervert, so it was like, let's get them scantily clad, and let's get them in the ring, so... Nitro Girls, congratulations. You're now You're all now worker. workers. Yeah. Bam Bam grabs a chair and Mark Johnson, the referee, stops him. This match is really easy to call because the cat just hits the liner which is a standing sidekick, and Bam Bam goes down for the count. One, two, three. Yes. Wow. The liner Yes, because he's the cat, you see. But Bam Bam gets I some. I would have loved for him to call it the kitty litter. That had been great. Bam Bam gets some of his heat back, though, after the match. He clotheslines the cat, and then he leaves with his head in shame. Yes. And I guess to go apologize to his mama. Ernest the Cat Miller had a thing for mamas. He did. Somebody better call my mama. I'm about to whoop his ass. Somebody better call his mama, but he knows a lot about your mama. That's right. He knows mamas. Kidman pulls up with Tori Wilson in the BMW Z3, which... I always thought of as a girl's car, but Billy Kidman, that's what I, he's I got. I thought it was a girl's car, too. DDP goes looking for his buddy, David Arquette. Good that he's finally decided to go after Yeah, and uh, locate his friend, David Arquette, who's still being held hostage. New Blood versus Semi-Millionaires Club as Sean Stasiak, the perfect one, is out next as he is taking Mr. Perfect's gimmick. And he comes out to Mr. Perfect's music. Just
0: a slight different variation so they can't get sued.
3: Well, and Mr. Perfect's theme was from. It was the theme song from the movie Exodus. So. Was that
0: like an 80s movie? It was
3: from 1960. So. Oh. Anyway, uh, Sean Stasiak. Not to be confused with Stan the Man. That's right, his father. Meat, formerly of the WWF. Yes, Meat. Meat.
4: Meat, damn it, meat. You're meat. You're beefy. You're
3: (laughs) meat. Uh, He beat Kurt Henning on Nitro, which, of course, when you beat a guy, you get his gimmick. Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just the rule of pro wrestling. He's the real perfect one. Canyon hits a swinging neckbreaker to Stasiak. Kurt shows off some brass knucks. Is he going to use them? Why, yes, he does. He goes right up to the ring and decks Stasiak, who then walks into a flatliner, and Chris... Champagne Chris Canyon gets the big win. So Mike Awesome comes out to just beat Canyon down some more. He German suplex Canyon and then power bombs him through the announcer's table. The first of many devastating bumps to come in the life of Chris Canyon and WCW. In, in a very short span. Yeah, Awesome just walked right by Kurt Henning beating the shit out of Sean Stasiak. So the camera totally misses Henning hitting the perfect plex to sean stasiak and on his way back out mike awesome finally says hey stop picking on him and breaks it up so new blood really tight group this this group really loves each other but ddp comes out to fight for champagne chris canyon's honor and he delivers a diamond cutter to sean stasiak and mike awesome he just leaves so they really got each other's back DDP then agrees to the tag match tonight, as he had not done so earlier, so it's on. The world title is on the line in a tag match. Kidman is out next in the Hulk Hogan shirt. By the way, your favorite, Johnny B. Bad is in the crowd tonight. Yes. Mark Merrow with Ray Rinaldi. By the way, Mark Merrow would never sign a contract with WCW. This is a one-and-done appearance here for Mark Merrow in the year 2000. Why did he not? Not that I give a damn, but... Mark Merrow said he didn't accept a contract due to his physical condition, so he didn't think he was in good enough shape. And he probably saw what a disaster this company was and said, <laughs> I think I'll this. just stay at home, yeah. thanks. But his wife, uh, Sable, she would also appear on a Nitro at some point in time here while she was suing WWF. No nah, bullshit. Yeah, she appeared in the crowd and WWF almost sued her and then they were like oh no she actually someone had given her a ticket so they didn't They she could- had an actual ticket yeah like, like they couldn't claim collusion or whatever they were trying to I don't know what their gripe was but but they showed her on camera and were like there there's rena Mero right there in the front row and then just never showed back up it was so weird I want to see this now this is great so Kidman cuts a promo on Hogan he issues an open challenge and it's answered by Hogan. But not the Hulkster. No, no, no. It's answered by Horace. the nephew. Horace, brother. Yeah. So the second Hogan relative on the night is Mike Awesome is also related to Hogan. He so is. Uh, He is. He is. How is now? He's. I think he was through marriage, Mike Awesome. He was awesome. Linda's. Like, he's related to Linda, right? Yeah, he's like Linda's nephew or something.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, it's really bad The what the way he... Unfortunately, passed away, because he, he was a damn good talent.
3: He was, and it was. It's a shame how he was wasted here, though. He did make a lot of money. I yeah. mean, he they paid him like a million and a half dollars. Well, the fact something. that he
0: became that seventies guy or whatever too, like this just
3: they just didn't know. Or the fat chick thriller, yeah. yeah. He had a lot of uh, great gimmicks in instead WCW. of just
0: letting him be him, which was this mass, this just this massive. This massive crazy, beast, yeah. yeah, beast, but crazy. he can do
3: high spots and he can that had it all well. And he's reckless too. Well, yeah, he was, but still, all those
0: I think that's what got him. Vince was like, and eh, no, because of that match with him and Taker,
3: all these ECW guys really had a rough go of it in WCW outside of Raven. And Saturn, who used it to get to the WWF, both of those guys used it to get to the WWF. Well, basically, uh, but uh, up and down the list, you go like Mikey Whipwreck, Sandman, Sabu. I Ar- think Stevie Richards.
0: They, I think that had a decent run. Was the uh, Public Enemy? I mean, they were w- they, they were two time WCW tag. I jams. think they only
3: won it once. They yeah, they actually probably had one of the better runs out of. The ECW crowd that got in. Them and Shane Douglas, because I guess out of necessity towards the end, Shane Douglas was like a pushed guy. So, I mean, they... But for the most part, when ECW guys got there, they just... Because WhipRate didn't last, but... He did like four pay-per-views and he was back. Yeah, he was there, what, like two, three months. And Chris Candido doesn't last very long here, and he's right back to ECW. Yeah,
0: him and Tammy leave. And so...
3: Well, because Turner couldn't let them use all their plunder and do all their dangerous shit. They could use, like, that's why Public Enemy just used tables. Like That's what we can do. We can do yeah. one table spot a match. Okay. And, like, Raven can use like a stop sign and they can do garbage matches but they can't do dangerous matches with blood and barbed wire and Thumb-backs. falling out of the rafters and all that shit. Flaming tables. They couldn't do any of that. Do you know how awesome Nitro would have been if they had a flaming table
0: like once every couple weeks?
3: Well, Raven had Raven's rules. He could have done anything he wanted, but it seemed like he was pretty content with just, I'll bring out a few things here, and that's good enough. Could put Dallas through a flaming table. Horace just gets in the ring. Yes, Horace Hogan gets in the ring against the guy challenging Hulk to all these matches. Basically. Your number one star still in the year 2000. I mean, in 2019, Hulk Hogan would be one of your top promoted guys, even if he wasn't wrestling. Like, he's still Hulk Hogan at the end of the day. And so you have Billy Kidman. At least he could get something out of this feud. No, instead, he's getting the shit kicked out of him by Horace Hogan here on Thunder. So we're off to a good start in this feud. Horace clotheslines Kidman out of the ring, slings him into the guardrail. They get back in the ring. Kidman hits a Hurricane Rana. Then he misses a big splash, gets power slammed by Horace, but then Eric Bischoff comes down to the ring. Horace power slams Kidman, Bischoff comes down to the ring, Horace press slams Kidman, and then power bombs him. He is just beating the shit he out of Billy Kidman. He is Billy He's to the next Goldberg, bald Ass. guy. And he, By the way, Horace is fucking jacked here. <laughs> he and is, dude. He was getting ready for his main event run in his mind. Horace hits Kidman with a chair and his injured ribs from a Hogan beatdown. Then Horace hits a sit-out powerbomb. He sets up a table on the outside of the ring. But before he can use it, Torrey Wilson low blows him. And Bischoff hits Horace with a chair. Kidman delivers a bulldog off the apron through the table. And then the ref had taken a bump. And Bischoff counts to three. And I guess Kidman gets the win. I guess. And by the way, Kidman would use the same strategy to claim that he had three straight victories over Hulk Hogan, is that every time Bischoff made the count. So these aren't in the record books anywhere, but no. uh, Kidman can always claim he's got three straight wins over Hulk Hogan. So there you go. That's the big push for Kidman, is that he was able to beat Horace, but only with the help of a woman and a little man. Yes. That's what he needs. Tank Abbott. Tank Abbott, who is famous from the skins match we watched from January 2000, God. he was instrumental in getting Vince Russo fired because Vince Russo wanted him to be champion. Uh, they had some injuries heading into that first pay per view of the year. Bret Hart had to vacate the title because of his concussion. And then Jeff Jarrett couldn't work the match because of a concussion. And so Vince Russo went to the rest of Creative and said, hey guys, tonight. Battle Royal for the title. Tank Abbott's walking out with the belt. That got him sent home. But, <laughs> but here we are a few months later, and he's saying, Hey, guys, David Arquette tonight, world title. And they're saying, Okay, that's fine. So Tank Abbott, a real-life fighter, not worthy of the title, David Arquette, movie actor, husband of Friends Actress, Worthy of title. Mr. Mister Cox, says, uh, "Yes, he would be called. Tank Abbott comes out and says, if you're going to chant for Goldberg, chant Ghostberg instead. Because Goldberg he, is nowhere he, to be found. He's a ghost. Know, he is. Then Tank goes over to the announcer's table, but then walks over and sees Ray Rinaldi and Mark Merrow. And Mark Merrow, this fan, just jumps the guardrail And everyone's okay with this. And Ray Rinaldi jumps the guardrail, too. Not only jumps the guardrail... Gets in the ring and squares up with him. He gets in the ring and waits for him. Yeah. So, where is Doug Dillinger when you need him? This is anarchy. So, Ray Rinaldi, not Mark Merrow, gets in the ring to throw down with Tank. But Merrow gets in the ring and challenges Tank instead. Finally, Doug Dillinger makes it out there. And Doug Dillinger and the security goons break it up. This would, of course, go nowhere. Sting had not showered since Monday (laughs) and is still covered in blood. That's right. Sting has been wandering around in his ring gear for, in storyline, 48 straight hours. If you were going, shoot, he's only been walking around that way for 24 hours because they tape on Tuesday. Right. But it's just amazing that no one said, hey, Sting, you might want to wash that. How did he... I mean, this is before 9-11, but do you let a guy covered in blood just walk onto an airplane, Patrick, or call a taxi? Would you pull over for this man? It's I don't true. think so. True. Well, and he's got face paint on, too. And Yeah, there's a lot going on with uh, Steve Borden here. And uh, he was out to take on the wall. Why? No one knows, but that's what they're doing. The Wall, formerly of The Wall in Berlin, this was Alex Wright's manager, who they thought, oh, you're tall, you can be a worker, be a worker. And he was pretty awful as a wrestler. It's a tables match. That was his
0: gimmick. That was his gimmick. Tables? Tables. Every time he had a match, he had a tables match.
3: Well, because he... That's Bad all worker, he could do. So that's
0: all he could do. That was his gimmick was putting people through tables. He was the 3D, our public enemy. He's after... a
3: single 3D. Yeah, is he the three? I think he's just the D. Uh, yeah. um, he's, he's most famous. His most famous moment in WCW history was, of course, being spotted on a building from Panama City. So they're at Club La Vila, and Hogan is in the ring and he's across the way on a condo building like 30 stories high and yet hulk hogan can see him from the ring and say that's the wall i want him tonight brother amazing moment in wrestling history here's the match sting tries a sunset flip power bomb off the apron slips and falls on his ass and the wall is too stupid to realize this and hop down to try to work around it so the wall just he stands fro- there and waits he's just frozen in time yes off on the apron for staying to get
0: up plant himself again pick him uh, kind of carry him over and just
3: do a normal powerbomb powerbomb him through the table Yes, so you put that goo and shit man no wonder he slipped I know take a fucking bath pal Jeez, Mrs. Borden would have been furious. That's right. Been walking around like that for days. (laughs) Vampiro arrives, and the wall and Vampiro just beat the shit out of Sting. Sting, though, fires up, hits a stinger splash to Vampiro, and clotheslines him out of the ring, and Vampiro looks like an idiot. Russo's backstage walking around with Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell, and Sting, he leaves the arena. Probably because he was pissed off that he had to work Thunder, but he leaves the arena (laughs) in a trance. From his red liquid, Russo comes out with Buff and Shane. He slams this part of New York for not being part of New York, which makes zero sense. Is in Vince Russo's mind, it's only New York City. The rest of New York doesn't exist. Buff Bagwell calls out Lex Luger, and Shane Douglas calls out Ric Flair. Flair comes out with Luger and Elizabeth. Russo gets security between themselves and the Millionaires Club here. Flair says, Hogan is the man. Flair says, Sting, Luger, and himself are legends. Then he calls Russo a mark for this business and a mark for the legends. Flair says, Sting is the only franchise to Shane Douglas. Flair then says, you can't be me until you wrestle all the legends. And then he says, he's pissed away more money on liquor than they'll ever make. (laughs) Flair wants... That probably is a (laughs) legit comment. Flair wants five minutes with Russo if he interferes in his match against Shane Douglas. At Slambury, if Russo gets involved in his match he gets five minutes alone with Russo. And we saw how this would go. He did get five minutes, but it was a he just got his ass kicked for five minutes as David Flair turned on his father yes. at Slambury. Russo accepts the stipulation and then Luger grabs the mic. Oh no. And then he challenges Buff for Slambury. Russo says, you are really pissing me off. (laughs) He says, by the way, I found something interesting. I own Liz because she has a contract. So Liz is my property. Bring her over here. Security, go get my property. That's not how contracts work, but okay. I believe that's something called slavery.
2: (laughs) Um, First of all... I want to make one thing perfectly clear. Upstate Rochester is not a part of New York. This dump might as well be Iowa. What we're trying to say is this place just sucks.
1: They know that. They live here. And speaking of sucking, I'm just about sick and tired of hearing about the total package, and God knows we've heard it for years, and years, and years, and years. But it always seems to be coming out of one person's mouth, and that's his. So this is real simple, Lex. At Slamboree, I'll show you I'm buff, and I'm the stuff. <laughs> I love it! Hey, nature boy Ric Flair. For 25 years, these people have heard every wrestling interview that you've shot off from that big mouth of yours. Well, this might not sound like a wrestling interview, Rick because it's a damn suit. At Slamboree, I finally get what I've waited my entire career for. Your ass on a platter delivered to me to get your ass franchised. Do you really think that Ric Flair is gonna walk into Slamboree by Western Union on the 7th of May and just take this match lying
2: down? You've got to be kidding me! Not after everything that the franchise, Shane Douglas, has said for the past few years. You talk about personal, it's the new blood, and the Millionaire's Club, and the franchise against Flair is one of the biggest matches in that rivalry at Western Union Slambury.
1: And they are on the front line of this war that we have seen since the 10th of this month. There is Team Package, with Elizabeth. Not backing down, not intimidated, standing for what they believe in. Western
2: Union Slavery is gonna be, well they're gonna outdo themselves from the last pay-per-view. I know they will. First of all guys, let me just say that I anticipated this. So security, if you will please, how about a little protection for the boys? Look at this human wall in front of Russo and Bob. Package, package,
1: package. And the franchise. Oh, you made a mistake tonight, Russo. You're letting me talk. Woo! That's good for me and bad for you. Woo! Is that right? Here's the deal. I can't talk for Hulk Hogan, but I can say this for him. If I can concede his place and his greatness in this sport, then Billy Kidman damn well better. Hogan is the man. Wow. He is the white collar champion. But I tell you what I can do, franchise, Bagwell, Russo, I can talk to you about legendary status between Sting, the Package, woo, and the Nate Divine. That's the Millionaires Club. Woo! Yep. You like that? How about what he said about Hogan? There go. Is that incredible or what? Since 1985, things been going woo, and they've been going woo. The Package has been going. Ah they going, yeah, and I've been going, woo, yeah, and they've been going, woo. You know why? Because we bled and sweat this business in '85, '86, '87, 40 days, 40 nights, war games, blood, sweat. We partnered all night. We got up the next day, got in a jet, went the next town, because we were the blood of the sport not new blood not old blood the blood we made these people love wrestling we earned it amen we earned the respect all he wanted to do all Sting wanted to do and all i wanted to do was be the best we could be on any given night And you know what, ask these people, we were. That's why, that's why, that's why we're still here. And that drives you nuts. Russo, you're a mark, a mark for the business and a mark for Ric Flair, a mark for Luger, a mark for Sting. And Douglas, the last time I looked, There was only one franchise in WCW. His name was Sting and it stands. I'm the franchise. Wow. And on a brief capsule synopsis, until you wrestled Kerry Von Erich at Texas Stadium, God rest his soul in front of 50,000 people, or Bruiser Brody, God rest his soul in the Budokan. That's Japan. Until you wrestle Piper, Hogan, Sting, Bret Hart, Luger, tell you wrestle them all, you can never be me. I have pissed away more money on bar tabs than all three of you will ever make.
4: Now that's a shoot right there.
1: I was there. We all were. And I'll do it again tonight. Once again. Drinks on the house, courtesy of the Nature Boy. What a moment. Package. Package. Stinger, Nature Boy, Hogan, the old ones, the great ones, we're here. Douglas and Slamberry. you see this? These are not spotlights. These are stars. These are stars that shine on us. If you want to touch greatness in St. Louis, if you want to touch greatness and flavory, then Russo, let's see how big your cojones know are, daddy. The only way, the only way, the only way Douglas gets to touch greatness is if you promise me, in front of the world, that if me, Little old me, win, lose, die. If you interfere in the match, I get you for five minutes at Slammery. Come on. Five minutes of hell.
2: Come on, let's see how big that is. You know what, Rick? I guess this is the part of the show where I'm supposed to be the chicken shit heel, right? Well, I'll tell you what, Nate. I love your ass five minutes in the ring because when the night is over, I will own you. You see what, Rick? I'm not Wahoo. I'm not Dusty. I am Vince Russo and it is my time. Wow. And you know why I will own you, slick dick? I will own you because I got the big apples, baby.
1: Wow. Hold on one second. I'm sorry, Nate. I've listened to this slime ball. Just about enough, and I'll get to you in one second. But you, Buff, are you the same little punk riding the back seat behind Sting and I wanting to ride to the building? The same little punk wanting a roll away bed so you save on expenses on the road? You're challenging, and you're calling out 6'4", foot 4% body fat, and Slamboree! Well, you got it, you little punk. But you, Russo, I'm so sick and tired of you. When you address that makes your boy a legendary figure in this sport, now and always will be. You put a little tone of respect in your voice. Try to come down security or no security and punch your big apple New
2: York teeth. right down your throat and right now. No, lex let me tell you something i'm real happy to see that you survived that fatal car crash known as the lex express But well, you know what you're really starting to piss me off lex and i'll tell you why you're pissing me off Uh-oh. because you know what i'll never have a body like you lex I'll never have 4% body fat, and there's probably a lot of people in here that think I'll never have a woman like Liz on my arm. But Lex, you wanna talk about power? Let's talk about power. This past week, I was going through the WCW contracts and I came across something very interesting. And that is that You don't own Liz's contract. WCW owns it, which means I own Liz. What? Liz is my property. Wait a minute. Security, if you will, I want you to walk up that ramp, grab Liz, and bring her to me now. Oh my! She is mine, Lex
3: Luger and Flair charge Russo. But they stupidly, by doing this, this allows security to just grab Liz and take her away. So Liz is abducted by Russo in his Cadillac as he puts her in the car and drives away. So we have another kidnapping. The new blood is all about kidnappings. They are. They can't beat us if they're not here. <laughs> DDP takes Arquette to the trainer, and Arquette says, "Oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be fine, Dallas. Leave me alone. I got your back tonight." Then Tammy Sitch is out with Chris Candido to the most generic stripper music you'll ever hear. She does the old Val Venus promo here, and then she does a strip tease. She's taking on the future Mrs. Booker T, Paisley, who's the artist Prince Ikea's manager. Prince Ikea now having a Prince gimmick. Get it? Because he's Prince Ikea, so now he's Prince. I mean, we had a... Kiss gimmick now we have to have a Prince gimmick and we'd have well and then the Kiss gimmick would turn into an ICP gimmick yeah because they were the Dark Carnival so lots of music going on James Brown shows up later oh right yeah well and they had the Kiss concert on Nitro and then they had that Eric Brock or Chad Brock or whatever that country guy he sang on Nitro once they had Master P yeah And the No Limit Soldiers, I mean, they loved music. Paisley and Tammy roll around the mat. Tammy gets forced into the corner by Paisley, and she thumbs her in the eye. She chokes Paisley with a belt, and then Candido chokes Paisley on the ropes behind Charles Robinson's back. Paisley low blows Tammy, who then hits a stone-cold stunner on Paisley. Tammy goes to the top rope and splashes Candido, the artist, and the referee all at once. Paisley low-blows Candido. Paisley does the handspring back elbow to Tammy, but Chris breaks up the cover. Tammy gets crotched by the artist on the top turnbuckle. And then Paisley, that's right, Mrs. T, DDTs Tammy, and gets the win. As this is new blood and new blood violence here, yes. so don't know what this is accomplishing. By the way, Chris Candido... In the cruiserweight division, yeah, he's not a cruiserweight, <laughs> and Prince Ikea, for that matter. After the match, Candido DDTs the artist, and Tammy lands some more punches in quotation marks to Paisley. Chris Candido, best known for his uh, in his
0: run in WCW for his feud with uh, Terry Funk. What did they
3: in WCW? Yes.
0: What did they do? You ever seen their match where he's like beating the shit out of him in a horse stall? And the horse gets scared and literally mule kicks Funk right in the face. Oh, yeah, I, I remember. Um, but they had like a three-month feud of that, of like hardcore. Well, and then Candido was gone. Yeah, like, of like hardcores, and then
3: next Monday, like Candido's gone. So after we see Paisley, we see her future husband, Booker T. Weird how that all works out. Yeah. <laughs> Booker T is with Mean Gene. Gene says Booker is facing Big Papa Pump at Slam Slamboree, but then Major Guns runs in, interrupts. Anyway, Major Guns interrupts Booker T. And there you go. Paige tells Arquette he shouldn't go out there. He's just too hurt. And he leaves Arquette by himself. Booker T is out next to take on Mike Awesome. Scott Steiner comes out to do commentary with his freaks. Steiner rants about Hulk Hogan's spots. He does the exact same promo that they did when the NWO made fun of the four horsemen with the liver spots and all your spots. So Scott Steiner pulling out the old joke book. Booker then takes Awesome down with some kicks and hits his flying clothesline. Mike Awesome hits a flying clothesline for a near fall. Awesome slaps on a chin lock. Booker battles out, hits a belly-to-back suplex. Axe kick does the spinneroony. Then Steiner belt shots Booker. Off the turnbuckle, he was the U.S. champion, that was the belt. Awesome hits a running Awesome bomb and nearly chucks Booker into the bottom turnbuckle on his neck. It was scary. And then Awesome covers him and gets the win. So, Mike Awesome, off to the races here, but of course, he's slotted below Scott Steiner. Because Scott Steiner's new blood, man. I mean, he's he's the freak. He's the head freak. Well, no, he's not the head freak. He's Big Papa Pump. He's the Big Booty Daddy. (laughs) Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear him. Steiner puts Booker in the Steiner recliner after the match. Then the Misfits in action run down to save future GI bro Booker (laughs) T. But they get their ass kicked instead. Hugh Morris and Van Hammer join in and finally... The Misfits finally saved G.I. Bro. A very strange segment is next as Scott Hudson traveled to Calgary to interview Bret Hart, who had retired in January, but I guess they held out hope that he would change his mind. So they set up this feud that would also never happen. Much like the Mark Maron Tank Abbott thing, this never happened. Bret complains about Hogan ducking him his whole career. He says he'll make Hogan pay. Brett says if he could go out on his terms, it would be with Hogan in the sharpshooter. Spoiler, he shows up the following Thunder
0: with a chair, gets in the ring, smacks Hogan, walks out. That was his last WCW appearance. So not only was it Brett's last WCW appearance, it was Savage's last as well on the very next Thunder after this one.
3: No, Brett would show up one more time. He would show up at New Blood Rising because it was in Canada.
0: Oh, that's right. So he showed up
3: one okay. more time. All right. Jarrett and Bischoff are out for the tag match. Main event time. Jarrett and Bischoff are out for the tag match. DDP comes out alone, but who's that behind him? It's our hero. It's Gordy from Ready to Rumble. David Arquette is out now selling his ribs, even though earlier tonight I think he was... Sell- arm and shoulder. And- arm, shoulder, side. He finally settled on ribs. His... <laughs> gordy boggs hobbles to the ring to basically handicap his good friend ddp <laughs> in this match or possibly win the title away from his friend ddp kimberly is announced as the special guest referee oh what a swerve oh, vince shit. russo did it again oh shit so kimberly has it, her little it's a very unique referee uniform yeah she i don't has think on. you could pull this off i, I don't think i could either Bischoff and Arquette brawl while DDP brawls with Jarrett. Arquette and Bischoff just brawl to the back. They did. See you later, guys. So, yeah, the start of this match, it seems like what you were saying earlier, like, okay, they're just going to take each other out, and then you're going to have Jarrett and Paige. Right. So that's what we get here. But Kimberly, that evil woman, won't count for DDP when he covers Jarrett. One. Oh, I broke a nail. Even after a sit-out power bomb. And then, when Jarrett gets covers, she fast counts. And, I mean, really fast counts. Oh, almost God. counted a three immediately yeah. yeah, before DDP can even react. Bischoff comes back to the ring just smirking because he has killed David Arquette. That's it. He's yeah, s- he's gone. He's gone. It's over. Bischoff gets the tag and delivers one of those karate kicks to DDP and then elbows him. We get DDP chants from the audience as Jarrett comes back in the ring and beats him down in the corner. DDP clotheslines both the heels. And then Gordy makes his hero's return to the ring. David Arquette comes out limping back to the ring. A diamond cutter to Jeff Jarrett is blocked. He has a pinfall. And then DDP, frustrated with the refereeing, kisses his wife. And Kimberly is knocked out from a kiss. She is. So... So knocked out that she rearranges her hair in the corner while she's recovering. Yes. Arquette then spears Bischoff.
0: Spears Bischoff at the same time that DDP hits a diamond cutter. Oh,
3: Jarrett belt shots DDP. Oh, that's right. Jarrett belt shots DDP. DDP, by the way, the legal man. Yes. The two legal men are Jarrett
0: and DDP. David Arquette gets in the ring and spears Bischoff. Now, David Arquette goes for the pin on Bischoff. Jeff Jarrett has the pin on DDP. No referee. Mickey J. slides in. Slides to the left-hand side of the ring. He had not been watching this match. Counts one, two, three, and oh my god, David Arquette is our new
3: world heavyweight champion. He is, and... This is when things get weird on the network version because in the real version they use the soundtrack song from Ready to Rumble. Biff Naked's version of We're Not Gonna Take It um, is what plays. And so they have to dub over that in the network. And I guess the music is so loud. And this celebration, they had like confetti and shit. Like, this was like a big celebration <laughs> yeah. here at the end. So they are pumping the music. And so I guess the network, who usually does a pretty good job of... Even when they lay in like the Ernest Miller track or whatever, they usually do a pretty good job of putting the announcers over it, so it doesn't sound that bad. But here, they're just drowned out. And Shivani goes into overdrive selling this. Oh, what's Hollywood going to think? What's Courtney going to say? What's going to happen? And just goes into shill mode. And then, as I recall, Bobby Heenan just says a few words, and Mike Tenet just keeps his mouth shut. Yeah. (laughs) He is. <laughs> he's like, I want to work after this, you know. Like, he's like, I, you know, maybe another wrestling promotion will come along, or maybe WWF will give me a call. I'm just going to shut the fuck up <laughs> and uh, just take this in as this company self destructs right before my face. DDP also looks like a complete fool here because he celebrates. He is happy losing the belt. <laughs> he is happy that he lost the title. But at least it went to his good buddy. Yeah, because his good pal They would betray him in a week and a half at Slamboree. And they leave through the crowd to go, I guess, celebrate in their hotel room and get romantic. I don't know what they're doing, but there you go. They're taking
0: taking turns on Kimberly.
3: Oh. (laughs) I think, well, David Arquette had Courtney Cox in the the 90s. Well, in 2000, so... He was doing just fine himself. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, the good thing about David Arquette's time in WCW is that the money he made, he donated it to the families of Brian Pillman and Owen Hart. So there was something good that came out of it. Yes. He didn't want to be the champion. He did not. But they begged him and they said, please, we need you. We need something to stay in business. And they just kept pressuring and pressuring him. And finally, he just said, "Okay, fine, I'll do it. Unfortunately, that made him a very hated figure in wrestling history. So much so that he... He had to come back to right came the back, wrong.
0: He did, and he has now been wrestling for, what, about two years now?
3: Off and on, yeah. He he wrestled on WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, and so... And it's getting better like crazy
0: more and more.
3: Well, as good. I mean, he's much better than he was in the year 2000, so... <laughs> Uh, doesn't have as good a ring gear as he had at Slammbore. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But no man uh,
0: I love I, love this.
3: I why, love this. Why do you love this moment? So because much?
0: it gets shit on so bad. but yet it was a brilliant, brilliant move. A company floundering, drowning needing anything to get ratings, to get people to acknowledge them, to get eyes on their product. What better way than to have a movie actor in a fluke win, win the world title? Not only just some random movie actor, a movie actor that acted in your movie to promote your movie to promote to promote your wrestling to promote your company to get eyes back on your floundering product it was brilliant and i know jr is the number one person that hates this he absolutely hates this i would much rather have a million david arquettes winning the world heavyweight title than to have fucking Joey Ryan selling his dick. That is what is sad and sickening to wrestling. Not David Arquette winning the World Heavyweight title because David Arquette winning the World Heavyweight title was a brilliant move done to a promotion for success. And it succeeded. The very next Monday, they had the one of the highest
3: rated ro- uh, Nitros of all time. I'm the- bad news, Patrick, about the Nitro that followed this amazing title win. It got absolutely crushed by Raw. Raw did a 7.4 and Nitro did a 2.5, but Nitro was down from the week before. Really? It was down from the week before? Yes, Nitro was down from the week before, but tied with two weeks before that and up from the Well, Reboot Nitro did a 3.1. The Nitro that I was talking about where they just recapped everything and told you how shitty they were, uh, that did a 1.8. Yeah. So the ratings would go up slightly for Nitro. The best number Nitro drew in 2000 was a 3.6 compared to, yeah, like I said, Raw, a 7-point whatever. So it's one of their (laughs) high—it's higher up that year. It's— And it's one of the (laughs) highest— It's an average nitro for that year. They would do a lot of two point fours, two point sixes. It's on par with. It didn't hurt the rating, I'll say that. And it and was down from the week before. How many
0: buys did Slamberg get? Because I know that shit got bad news about
3: the pay per view too, Patrick. How I many buy rates? Spring Stampede, which was. The pay-per-view right after the reboot, where they redid everything from 4.16, that pay-per-view did 115,000 buys. Slamboree did 65,000 buys. Oh, damn. (laughs) So, if you're just going based on pay-per-view buy rates, yes, uh, David Arquette did some bad a year before. Now, this is... By the way, yeah, it's not just David Arquette; it's it's the whole company. It's the just, whole company yeah. is just imploding. This I don't I don't think this helped, but I don't think it really hurt. The Titanic was on its way down. Slambury of ninety nine. How many buys do you think Slambury ninety nine did? Right around two hundred. You're right on pace. It did a hundred and ninety five thousand. So in one year, Patrick, the damage this company did lost. They lost a hundred and thirty thousand buys. Year over year. So I think this would have been more well-received had it been a celebrity that was thought of as being a tough guy. If you had Arnold, if you had Sly Stallone, if you had, who's the, oh yeah, uh, the kickboxing guy, Van Damme. The, yeah. Uh, not the Jean, other, Jean-Claude Van Dam. Yeah. If you had Jean, because he was in a movie with Goldberg the year <laughs> he before. Was he was and what was it Universal Soldier yeah Universal Soldier if they had brought him in and made him champion I think he was on Nitro I think he yeah. did make a cameo Chucky I think, oh Chucky that would have been now that <laughs> would have been really fucking gold if Vince Russo could go back and rebook it yes um, Chucky wins the I think Chucky was might have before Russo got there? Because Russo got there in late October of 99. Dude, Chucky had to have been a Russo thing, man. Chucky was before... Let me... Chucky and WC... They did that in 1998. So when the business was still good...
0: Damn, they did that in 98?
3: Yeah, October of 98. Because Rick Steiner, like, had to sell that
0: shit, and it was terrible.
3: Yeah, uh... I think it would have been received better if you had a tough guy actor. Mr. T? Kurt Russell. Uh, Yeah, Mr. T. Okay, I'm not buying it
0: any better if Kurt Russell wins the shit. I'm just telling you.
3: Well, but his character from Escape from L.A., he was a tough guy. You know, Snake or whatever. Snake Blitzkin. This episode of Thunder, compared to most of the television in 2000, hate to say it this was a decent episode of thunder yes because a lot of times with especially when bischoff left and it was russo all to himself it was car crash tv it was stuff was going so fast they would cut away from stuff and go to non sequiturs people backstage you don't know what the fuck's going on you don't know who's break a box for the world title and the shit falls out of the bottom you don't know who's a Viagra on a pole. You don't know who's a good guy, who's a bad guy, what they're fighting over, what the fuck happened. If you missed a second of action, you don't know where, where we are. Judy Bagwell on a forklift. S- a forklift. Per Russo standards, this actually flowed like a normal wrestling show. Oh
0: yeah, Bischoff was in control of this.
3: Well, this had more... This resembled an actual normal wrestling show of the time, yeah, where you had a recap to tell you what's happening, to set up the feuds, but this was also a pre-recorded episode, so they could go back and say, they had a day to say, okay, we don't need that segment there, so they could actually make cuts if they had to. So that probably actually helps Russo, too, because you can cut out any shitty things that you thought he did that wasn't in the ring and, like, vital to the show. Yeah. So I've watched a lot of Nitros from 2000, and this is much better than most Nitros from 2000. And this is better than most, really, most pay-per-views they did. The matches were short. They had very little moves in them. But they did advance whatever storyline they were doing. Because they had didn't have much time to set up the next pay per view. Since they had just done the reset, they got to build this thing up. They got a pay per view in a week and a half. Yeah, I'm
0: I'm serious when I say I believe this was an amazing thing that they did. It got it it got exposure.
3: Oh, and, well, I wasn't talking about the Arquette thing. It, well, no, in I know, but I'm but, just
0: I'm I'm specifically talking about the Arquette thing though. That it it got exposure and. It was done in a way in which it wasn't Hogan selling a wrist lock to fucking Jay Leno, okay? It was a fluke. What the hell just happened? It was done. Before. I don't mind the Jay Leno thing. <laughs> Dude, I do. See, that is why does is that terrible? bother you? Because a man who is three times the size of Jay Leno and he's having to sell a wrist lock to Jay Leno? No. Now, had freaking he speared Jeff Jarrett and Penn Jarrett? I'm not buying that shit. He beat Bischoff. Now Bischoff is a legit badass black belt. Not denying that whatsoever. But that yeah, was a former kickboxer, wrestling related Christ. wise. Wrestling related wise, it's believable that he speared the shit out of Bischoff and won. And so it was a fluke. It was done very well. Fluke. Oh, my (laughs) God. I'm buying into this shit. He just fucking did this. And it, like I said, it made news. It made, you know, before TMZ, you had Entertainment Tonight. That was on Entertainment Tonight.
3: That shit made news. National news. But does that bring more people to your product? No. I mean, it just gets your name... Out there, does it and it well, drove that's and, better than it not being out there? And it drives away people that had stuck through the finger poke of doom, that had stuck through all the bullshit it stuck through the radicals leaving.
0: I'll take the fucking, I'll take him winning over the finger poke of
3: doom because that right there was a shit on, yeah, it was a big bait and switch. And also, they did. They happened to do that on the night where the other company delivered a title change. Yeah, delivered what they advertised. Basically, well, yeah. actually, surprised you. Yeah, because going into that episode of Raw, you didn't know McFoley was going to get a title shot, and then not only get it, but fucking win. Yeah, even though that was taped and they spoiled it. Well, wing. T- yeah, we've already talked about the finger poke of Doom, but that was like that's the lowest point in WCW,
0: in my opinion. Even though it was at its high peak. That was the start of the entire... Yeah,
3: that's like the bomb that yeah. hit the thing. And then yeah. whatever damage you do after that, it's like you already... You burnt the house down. It's yeah. like, oh, now you pissed on the ashes. Okay, well, it's already gone, so I don't really care that much. Yeah, like, yeah that was bad. Uh, that was way worse than than anything they did after that.
0: And so, I, I'm telling you, I don't give a damn if it's JR. I don't give... I don't care if it's Jim Cornette. I am a wrestling traditionalist through and through and you know that and our fans who have listened know that. However, I truly believe this was done in a very well brilliant fashion. Should he have held the title? No. Was it a ploy to get people to acknowledge you? Yes. Did it work? Not as well as they were hoping, but it was a good try and it's something that if I had my own company,
3: I would have done the same damn thing. Looking at it from their perspective, they had already wasted all this money on the movie. Right. They're not making any money on the movie. What can we get out of this movie? Because we're... We gotta get something. Are we gonna just act like it didn't happen? Yeah. And you're not gonna have Jimmy King, Oliver Platt win your world title, so... That would have been awesome, by the way. (sighs) I don't think so. I want to
0: see him be a surprise entry in the Royal Rumble, just once.
3: Uh, and I remember you tweeting me that, or you put that on our Facebook. The the meme of him being the surprise <laughs> entry. So on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, a random April two thousand, April twenty sixth, a random Thunder. Nothing really of note happened here on WCW television on TBS. Where do you rank this on our big rating scale? This is the this is huger. This this is magnificent. This
0: is bigger than... Now you're just fucking with people. No, I, was, I swear to God. Than, than Giant Gonzalez. This is massive. It really <laughs> is. This moment is talked about 30 fucking years later. Well, it's
3: 20, almost. But it not will be quite. talked
0: about 30 years... 40 years... This forced a but man... But not talked about for the right reason. This, this forced a man to get actually out of movies, get into wrestling, and prove a point that he deserved somewhat of credibility that he has not been given for so many years. This moment is huge in WCW. It is talked about as one of the biggest moments in that entire company's history. Well, for good and bad. For good and bad. Mostly bad. So this is... It is the highest praise you will probably ever get from me on this podcast.
3: <laughs> You've just broken the rating system. I, I, completely. It's talked about in the same way that we talk about oh, shit. the Shockmaster. It's not a great moment. It's memorable, and now we can have a laugh about it, and we can all move on. But if yeah. I was really into WCW in the year 2000, which I had pretty much given up on that. Yeah, yeah, I mean... But I was a fan of wrestling. I loved wrestling. And unfortunately, this was just part of the collapse. And I, you know, I, after WCW folded, I mean, it changed the industry forever when they folded. Yeah. So people that get offended by it so much that David Arquette held this belt. I mean, it's a wrestling belt. It's a, you know, at the end of the day, wrestling well, is I mean, th- a carny sport. This title, it dates back to nineteen oh five. Yeah, but see, I have to stop you there because it's not the NWA
0: title. It's but the NWA was sold into WCW. The NWA as a corporation was sold into WCW.
3: Well Turner had only owned this company since eighty nine. That big gold belt had transformed in from the
0: NWA title that we all know and love that I think is the end all be all oh, I, I know that that's what so but that's what I'm saying when Turner bought the rights to WCW the NWA had sold to Jim Crockett promotions had completely sold out listen we're, we're not we can't do it no more we're out sold to Jim Crockett promotions which then Jim Crockett promotions WCW Georgia Championship Wrestling turned into World Championship Wrestling And so it is the end-all, be-all. This is the NWA in a whole new format, in a whole new... This title is the 1905 Pat O'Connor. I mean, this title is the the end-all, be-all title. The NWA title... Will forever be the title. I don't give a damn what Vince wants to say. I don't give a damn what AEW wants to try to prove. I don't give a damn what New Japan tries to say. The end all well, be all title is the NWA title, and this was the last generation of the NWA title before Vince bought the whole fucking shit out.
3: Yeah, so, but I don't, I think it gets kind of murky when you talk about title histories in general. So but it's we could have a whole show just debating title so, lineage. So history
0: wise true historians like Jim Cornette like Jr., and like myself they, they hate this because you have your name in the books of the same book, the same title held by probably my opinion one of the greatest The greatest wrestler in the Golden Age, Luthez. The greatest wrestler of all time in Ric Flair. The greatest entertainer, possibly, of all time in Dusty Rhodes. And one of the baddest, badass, tough men of all time in Harley Race. This title was held by Hogan. This title was held by Sting. This title was held by some of the biggest names before, now, ever in wrestling, And now David Arquette has his name attached with them and that title. That pisses off so many people. And as a historian side of it, did he deserve that? Hell no. As a business side of it, though, it was brilliant. And Vince Russo had a lot. And he had a ton I have told him myself in communications with him, he had a ton of shitty ideas. He'll admit he had a ton of shitty ideas. This is one of the very small few, and I mean one hand can count on, very small few, that was a good idea, and if it wasn't for Bischoff helping execute it, it would have been a Viagra on a pole that we're talking about is one of the shittiest things ever. This was a good idea and it was done in a well rounded way. I love this. One of the highest moments in WCW history, <laughs> as a positive in my eyes.
3: Yeah, so I'll give us a uh I'll give this a Kimberly Page. So Well, she's a very tall woman, so there you go. And well, yeah, in her Heels and whatever else she's got, yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, it, this is
0: well, this episode
3: okay. is fine, and I don't, and not
0: the episode, just in general, of the situation with David Arquette winning the title. What is your thoughts? Real, go on the record. Well, no, what is I mean, your it, thoughts of it? Good idea, bad idea, shouldn't have
3: happened, deserved to have happened. What? Where, where are your? I think it's. I think it's an okay idea. Do I think it... Would I have booked that? Probably not, because I think there's other ways of getting David Arquette in the news. Like, even if he had won the tag belt, even if he had won the U.S. title, imagine if he had somehow gotten the U.S. belt away from Freakzilla, Big Papa Pump. Imagine that. Like, that... How about that image, somehow, that David Arquette weaseled this thing away Scott from this genetic monster? <laughs> Scott, this... Scott Steiner's career goes to shit right there. No, I mean, you would have it done the same way, like, where he you just fuck him out of the title yeah. somehow. But I'm, like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, I think you can accomplish the same thing and not hand him the world title, because you alienate so many people, like I said, that have already you're already down to your hardcore fan base in 2000. You are yeah. down to people that they are ride or die. They <laughs> that are is true. They, they are, are WCW,
0: NWA ride
3: or die hardcore. Yeah. That's true. And this and so you're going to get people like that feel the same way as Cornette and JR that are hardcore because You would have jumped. Any normal person would have already jumped over to the other side. Yeah, I mean, I was ride or die all the way
0: through till the final end. I tuned in the final end Nitro to see
3: Shane in the ring. I mean, so with with that smaller audience but knowing how loyal they are but knowing how deeply they must care about this product which is so which has been so bad i think you try your best to hold on to them and so you can't you've already made so many missteps and we're right there's no there's no good way to go because also if you don't do stuff like this if you don't if you don't take risks how are you ever going to catch back up but also you do stuff like this and some people will say you just really fucked up and this was a bad idea. And so you're between a rock and a hard place. You're between the rock and a hard place and uh, there's no right way out, really. There's no no blueprint for coming back from being so far down because we've seen it. We've seen it with TNA Impact. Yeah. When they are basically... On the verge of, they've always like for the last several years been on the verge of not <laughs> yeah. existing. Yeah, but they keep. We, you've never, we've never seen a company dip so like almost go out of business, re- fix itself, come back, yeah. and then. I mean, they were once they had overtaken the WWE for a couple of years, and so not only come back you to, to, to compete at their level but overtake them that's never been done. Yeah. I mean that's never been done with any company any competition whether you're talking about like the USFL and the NFL or any kind of competition leagues or stuff like that it's the only example I can think of in business at all. A good example is Apple computers okay so Apple was dead in the water in the mid 90s. I mean Microsoft Bill Gates, every computer was a PC. And only hardcore people had Apple computers. Right. So Apple changed the game with the iPod and and then the iPhone, and they never looked back. And then they became a leader, but not with their traditional business model with computers. There's still way more PCs out there than Apple PCs, but they've definitely taken a chunk of the market back in that field, but they had to totally rethink how they did business. And that's what WCW would have had to do. And I don't know how you rethink... You would have had to make such drastic changes that Turner would never have gone for. You almost needed to turn it into what ECW was, which was totally anti-everything that WWF does. We're going to do it differently. Yeah. And Turner would never go for that. And they're not going to and Paul Heyman would never work for Turner, so you're not going to have some kind of mind and the freedom to do that. So they couldn't change their business model that much. So looking back at this, it's just like what can you do? You what can't you do? What what do you do? You're yeah. just you're just screwed. Yeah. You've got all these guaranteed contracts, you've got Hogan with creative control. Your hands are really tied. Well, I and this is what a year
0: out from end Right, less than a year from the end of the company. Less than a year,
1: yeah. Okay, eleven
0: months. All right. So, at this point in time, I believe
3: is when Bischoff had started because I watched that ending of. Uh, now he didn't start getting the company. He didn't start getting. Yeah, I saw the uh, the thing. He man, talks the, about. He talks about right about the ten, the
0: six month to the ten month period is where he started realizing he had to to buy this. This company, it, there was no way of saving it, and he spent that last six months working this deal out. And so, going into that last six months, and the only it was going, it was done. It was finished. It was done. Yeah, was, but Jamie Kellner took TV away he, was it. after the guaranteed ten years
3: on TBS or TNT that they yeah Had Thunder the, was done Thunder was Thunder gone Thunder was
0: gone yeah Yeah.
3: so they were only going to have one TV outlet but
0: even I mean the deal in agreement to that was that Turner hold his end of the contracts and pay them all out for all the wrestlers and also they uh, they guaranteed 10 years and 10 years TV and okay, done, fine. And at the very last minute, backed out and said, we're not giving you the 10 years. Well, if without that, fuck, I'm not signing. And so Vince swooped in at that point in time and was
3: like, hey, I don't want anything. What's funny about the whole sale of WCW in the end is that AOL Time Warner ended up getting a lot less money for selling it to Vince than selling it to eric bischoff and fuchsia media because they were going to pay him a lot more yeah but they had to give up that tv time and they just didn't want to give up they didn't want to give wrestling time on tnt which in 2019 they're about to give wrestling tv time again (laughs) yeah i know um and now look wrestling's one of the highest talked about one of the highest looked at. Well, the TV rights deals paid to the WWE. I mean, they're about to make billions of dollars off their TV deals from yeah. Fox and Comcast. So, I mean, so.
0: it's it's all... That's what I'm saying. Wrestling as a whole is probably the number one sport out there, if not a very
3: close second or third. Well, ba- based on the TV rights deal, based on based on what they're getting from their TV rights deals... I mean they probably don't come close to the NFL or Major League Baseball in terms of TV rights deals but they're up there. I mean, like I said, they're close second or third guaranteed. Well, when, 2 hours. We're not even talking about 3 hours or whatever. They wanted just 2 hours. Well, yeah, Nitro had already shrunk back to 2 hours by then. AOL Time Warner made a lot of mistakes because this was the merger of the internet leader in yeah. in America. They had It was still dial-up at the time but they i mean everybody got a demo disc in the mail everybody knew aol most people used instant messenger if they didn't use regular aol everyone had some connection to america online and so before the dot-com bubble burst when aol and time warner merged it was like a merger of equals and aol had an opportunity because time warner was still in the cable business, they had to spin that off later on, but they were still in the actual like Comcast. They sold cable in certain parts of the country, and so they could have been at the forefront of high speed internet. I mean, yeah. you have the internet company and the cable company together, yeah. and they fucking blew it. They, yeah. so if they couldn't even get their own business, like the things that they know. They themselves know how to do correctly, which is internet and TV. They couldn't even get that correct. How were they going to get programming on one of their channels that yeah. they just these Turner channels were just inherited into Time Warner. I mean, they were left alone. You know, they they're still that's they, part of the deal. I think for time, for Turner to be remembered, I right? Think they're always of supposed the... to like. They're, Like, they have to stay in Atlanta, they have to always be called Turner-whatever. Yeah. And that's... So it's like, maybe they felt like, I don't know, jilted over that to begin with. But anyway, so... There is a book out there that you
0: said, though, uh, I have not read. What book is it that you talked about, The Mert, that is a great book that explains in step-by-step detail about... The, the merger with Time Warner and Ted Turner and then the the WCW going out of business and
3: yeah it's um it just came out like either last year or the year before it's called it's called Nitro and uh it goes over that and also the death of WCW by Brian Alvarez and RD Reynolds I
0: have the death of WCW but yeah, yeah.
3: that's That came out a few years ago, and but that's like a week by week Monday night war step by step account of the whole thing. But uh, the the Nitro book is more talks about more of like the financial side, and he interviews like accountants from Time Warner during that time and stuff like that. So anyway,
0: definitely worth getting. Then I, I would love to get a copy of that Nitro.
3: I've never yeah I was waiting for the price to go down, but I'll eventually get it. Well, that was that was your pick for this week. Even I can't believe how much you love it, but dude, I I'm telling you, man, I do. I love it. This is worth your ten dollars a month to the WWE Network, I so you have d- access to this Thunder episode. I
0: guarantee you, I will
3: watch this Thunder episode at least once every two months. <laughs> I'm serious. All right. Well, it's my pick this week, and I decided to. I talked about them earlier. TNA, hey, remember them? They used to be a wrestling company, and now they're Impact Wrestling. But they had some top talent, and they they seem to be on the rise. They seem to be eventually that maybe they're going to be a competitor to the WWE. Some, some good years. Oh yeah, they had a good week or two uh, in the world of wrestling, and uh, they took their shot in the Mon- They had a Monday Night War, a five week war. It didn't turn out too well for them, but uh, they had a lot of talent. That they had both had organically, and they got some major signings from the WWE. And we've already covered the first encounter between Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe, so I'm going to highlight another encounter of Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. And we're going to do Lockdown 2008. All right. lockdown 2008 it's a Samoa Joe career match uh, against Kurt Angle so I wonder who wins this one also I mean lockdown a very interesting idea an idea that actually sort of WWE would kind of do as well with the Hell in a Cell pay-per-views where you don't necessarily have to have you know blood feuds to get in a cage TNA took it a step further and said put everything in the fucking cage everything even if it doesn't you know, deserve to be in the ring. Put it in the cage. And so uh, on this particular show, Patrick, I'd pay close attention to the New Age Outlaws Explode or the Voodoo Kin Mafia <laughs> oh, Explode. I see that here. We have uh, the James Gang uh, going at it, Kip and BG. And Patrick, what I have to tell you, might be a new candidate for one of the worst matches I've ever watched uh, as part of this review. But I don't want to spoil it for next week. But that is... Well, One I mean, of, we
0: got a Jacqueline here and a Christy Hemme. We have oh
3: a, yes, the Knockouts division as uh, Dale Kim TNA uh, TNA were ahead of WWE as far as having some legit female wrestlers who could actually wrestle. Booker T and Charmell. Yes, back to back weeks with Paisley slash Charmell wrestling. Oh yes, Dustin Runnels oh in. Yeah. Uh, his least favorite incarnation. Scott uh, Scott Steiner and Petey Williams. Oh, this is Little Steiner. Oh, of course, Cuffed in the Cage, Patrick, where the object is to cuff everybody to the cage. And the last one standing wins the match. Black Machismo J Lethal and Curry Man. That's right. You might know him as Christopher Daniels. TNA uh, did these lockdown pay-per-views, and so every match was in a cage, and so you had to do all these matches differently, but in a cage. So you get so much variety in the cage. Christian Gage. Rhino. Sting. Oh, of course, Lethal Lockdown, their take on War Games, which... Uh, um, Kevin
0: Nash. Oh,
3: Morgan. yes. Gray-haired Kevin Nash makes an appearance. Team 3D cowboy james storm aj styles and Tomko. holy shit yeah Tomko. uh you'll see how he looks here he looks like he's uh off the gas um the new the newly crowned mayor matt morgan yes mayor matt morgan is in
0: this uh the guru sanjay dutt
3: consequenceless creed yeah xavier woods uh before he was in the new day this is back in the day We go back 11 years ago. This is going to be awesome, man. This is going to be really cool.
0: Tracy Brooks. Now, whatever happened to her? Because she was a really good wrestler.
3: I, I never understood why she... It's like she just dropped out of wrestling. Brooks made her final wrestling appearance for House of Hardcore, managing Kazarian and Daniels in 2015. The man that appears in this DVD not the does normal. not look a lot like the man we saw in 2006. Uh, just uh, not the smiling, happy Kurt. There's one backstage segment where he looks totally zonked out, but I think it was part what he was supposed to be doing. But it's just scary, and it's like this is before we saw him at that house show in Dalton, where he was just gray and like rotting away, dude. He yeah, uh, he had to have help to his car
0: after that show, he was in really bad shape, man. Well,
3: this is after this is, like, before that, but he's lost a ton of weight and he's, like, ripped. Like, he's not, like, inflated. Also, you gotta remember this happened, this is a year after Chris Benoit. So, as far as, like, the drug testing and TNA actually started doing a little bit of that. So, a lot of guys trying to get off the roids or whatever and I guess Kurt might have been one of them. So he drops a lot of body mass. But this is before he's like just totally sad looking. And uh Approximate running time, three and a half hours. Uh yeah, that's not it's not that long. It it does feel like it's that long at times. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to break this shit down, aren't I? This isn't
0: gonna be a sit down single watch. <laughs> i did it
3: in one watch oh, okay all right it it took all day it felt like though <laughs> well that'll do it for this week you can go over to powerslam.tv use the promo code retro wrestling get a month for free they got two to this week they got two yeah two plugs
0: hey man i think they added some more stuff on this this
3: uh past week too though Yeah, and I think we added Omaha steaks, delicious steaks. (laughs) Omaha steaks. (laughs) Um, Oh, they're always adding more stuff on there.
0: That is, man, I'm telling you, that is actually a really cool um, app. In all seriousness, well worth. And it works. Unlike Impact Plus, it's well worth checking out. Use that free month. Use us to get that free month. I guarantee you. If you will just use that free month, you will be hooked. And you will realize that it is so much more than what you actually get with the WWE Network as for in-ring uh, competition. So, Oh, there's a lot of variety there. There is, man. Huge variety and a lot of shoot interviews, which is really cool, and documentaries as well. So definitely check it out.
3: All right, well... That'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and
0: only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always, my closing line's a clothesline. And bingo bango.
4: Why do people give you grief? Because, because I mean, I you're, a- you're an established actor. I mean, from yeah, Scream, yeah. everything else, you've been here forever, right? And all of a sudden, you're in the ring. So, well, yeah. why do people give you grief about that? I, I mean, if it's something you love to do, yeah, exactly, <laughs>
1: exactly. Tell them, so- yeah, I'll tell them. Ah! I'll tell them a so
4: bitch straight in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually recently
5: talked to Vince Russo on his podcast, and then he he explained it to me, and he said you know i you know part of the reason he thought it would be all right is because when i first got there i was running around i did something with jared uh jeff jared and i had his uh, uh guitar and i went around to all the wrestlers had him signing it i was just a fan you know and he was like that was part of the reason like it was different like uh, you know i wasn't just an actor i was really a fan of wrestling so that's sort of uh the idea behind it i don't know i was just
4: talking to my buddy diamond dallas page just called me on the phone while ago i was getting ready for the podcast and this thing is a short turnaround because i found out david's going to be on the show literally last night yeah and so i was trying to put some stuff together but uh page called me and he he was going to give me the 411 about how they kind of talked you into being the world champion but you were against it you argued against it
5: yeah i said i I didn't think it was a good idea but then like after a few minutes i was like well it would be fun just to you know travel and get a little taste of the business so yeah
4: <laughs> and hanging around the guys whether it's uh at a tv table or on the road i mean traveling with someone like Oak hogan who you know is one of the absolute biggest names in the history of the business i yeah. mean how was the road life for you i mean because it's different out there man yeah. i mean it's pretty fast-paced if you know what i mean
5: it's fast-paced i didn't know what was going on I and mean, when i won the belt they gave it to me they said you're in charge of this i said like, what <laughs> like i'm literally carrying <laughs> this like they're like yeah and you can't check it
4: i can't believe they trusted you with that that belt. i can't either well, i could see i can see that they that they put it on you the storyline but man when you start toting that thing around yeah. it sounded like a good idea at the time but man every time you go through baggage claim not every baggage claim. every time you go to check your bags and you got to carry it you know with you yeah because if you put in your suitcase and you lose that damn thing you're up you're up shit creek <laughs> okay no so what what, what what did you think about the responsibility of the belt? because there's so many times yeah. i mean out of all the years I was on the road and, and holding the various belts that I held, sometimes you'd be riding down the road, and this is when I was traveling by myself, and I'd be like, okay, man, well, what all happened last night? And like, man, I know I put that belt in the suitcase, yeah. but man, I'd pull over on the side of the road just to make sure I had the damn thing locked yeah. in, in my suitcase. Yeah, I'd open yeah. my trunk, go through my shit, like, okay. Yeah. I, I don't want to get all the way to the show. It's like, oh, man, I lost it.
5: I know. I know. Uh, my favorite thing was sort of bringing it out to the fans, having them take pictures with it. You know, it was it was an interesting experience. Just walking through a a airport with Hulk Hogan and like him knowing the person at the at the newsstand. You know, like knowing him from years and years going through this airport. Just. It was pretty amazing. Just sitting on an airplane uh, airplane, and I'm reading something and Sting pushes his head between
1: the seats and says, what you reading?
5: <laughs> this is so <laughs> surreal. Like-
1: Are you
3: tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial
2: today at powerslam.tv